0: Hey there, we are rounding the bend on bonfireside Chat, but we are not going anywhere because we have so many other shows on the network. If you're listening to this and you have not given Watch Out for Fireballs a chance, now is the time to go do that. We have just switched over to our new format, uh, or about to, as you're listening to this. If you like us and the way we approach games, then you're going to find so much over there, WatchOutForFireballs.com. Also, if you want to write in for the final After Dark, uh, write in at duckfeed.tv slash contact by August the 1st. That is the deadline for your uh, questions, your prompts, your just funnin', your thoughts on souls in general, your thoughts on the show in general, all of those. While our Patreon backers will still get uh, priority, we are looking for everybody's thoughts to kind of round things out and make that final episode a party. Once again, that is August the 1st, DuckFeed.tv slash contact. Thank you. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks
1: with power and with confidence. Surely you have seen for yourself the pain and suffering that fills this world, but fight poison with poison? You fool! Don't you understand? No one wishes to go on. I have had enough of this rotten world.
2: My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross.
3: And this is Mitch Benish. And you're
2: listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a soul arts favorite. is a demon's favorite, a colorless favorite. Yeah, one of those. Uh, I'll,
0: yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll select just one in the edit. No, I okay. <laughs> no. Remix it. Yeah. Um um and you are listening uh to our coverage our revisit of demons souls again for this kind of victory lap farewell season going through the games in the reverse order that we covered them um and as you heard we are joined by mitch a person who we have met several times he's come out to a lot of shows but uh it's it's great to uh finally get you on a show mitch welcome
3: yeah hi hi
2: hey mitch Hey. Yeah, as as as, uh, as Cole mentioned, we've met we've met Mitch IRL a few times. He's a charming and, and good dude, um, uh-huh. a gentleman and a scholar. Um, Mitch, can you uh, just talk just a little bit about um, how you got into Souls and why you chose Demon Souls uh, to join us?
3: Well, uh, I got to feel like Demon Souls really chose me, I, mainly because it was the first one in the series. Like there wasn't another Souls game to pick. Um, mm-hmm. I like many others. Have this place in my brain dedicated to hardships in real life that I mapped on to Demon Souls. Because when it came out back in 2009, uh, to set the scene, I'd lost my girlfriend, friends, house, job, been kicked out mm-hmm. of school, was basically living on an economy of selling my own plasma and living out of my own car and wondering if anything was really worth it. Um, you know, I can say it was a pretty significantly low point in my life. It was a little bit weird but eventually i got to the point where i just moved back into my parents was trying to live simply and live in their basement and i still remember picking up demon souls just because the way that i felt towards armored core the way that i felt towards Kingsfield, those are games that i played when i was much younger and there were big serotonin drips and i felt like oh yes i want to get back into the from software game um so i thought i'd give it a try even though it Sounded really hard. And compared to the games at that point in time, um, you know, it was much harder. I mean, you think about like the Call of Duties of that time, and every game was super simple. You go to this point, it's way harder. Um, and, you know, it wasn't really an overnight thing, but playing this game almost gave me a sense of hope. Not really because of the content itself, <laughs> because it's. <laughs> <laughs> that <could be laughs> that moment that I killed the maiden in black, I knew it was going to be all right. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the the uh, encounter design, the, the way the levels are mapped, they're so fucking hard. Like, even harder than the rest of them in the series, I feel like this one pays extra attention to the way that the levels are mapped. Um, you get to this experience where you have immense failure... And then you barely beat it. And then you go to acing it. And this repetition of loss, understanding, success, it really started to pull me pull me back and let me look at my own self and do a little bit of tinkering on what I was experienced at the time. You know, that that sort of meta narrative of having nothing and then slowly gain gaining it all back with the experience. And knowing that it wasn't like the stuff that you accrued, but it was it was knowing how to encounter each situation, um, it really kind of unlocked for me how to um, start looking at my own situations analytically and learn how to better handle my own life. So, I mean, like, you know, just the act of playing this game, it's like going to a museum and seeing a piece of art that really speaks to you at a time and unlocks something new that you haven't said to yourself. Uh, That's really where Demon's Souls... Hits for me, and it's really personal, personal game. So if you guys say anything bad about it, I'm gonna be really
2: pissed. <laughs> <laughs> establishing the stakes right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will take it personally. I, I don't, I don't have bad things to say about Demon Souls. No, like I didn't, I didn't. i Since I came to Dark Souls first, I didn't have that quite. You know, it, it was, it was a second ran, but it's aged really, really well for me in the series. And like, you know, I still, still really love it. I find it really playable and, and, and relevant. Uh, still. Yeah. Um and it's it's just you know we talk about it a lot like people who have that kind of like personal well, hardship that maps onto a soul's game and it's like that's such a universal thing and it's you hear you know you hear about that with other games. You know I've heard people talk about that with uh yeah like like Majora's Mask Yep. Like sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, um, but it doesn't come up that often. I think it's real special when it does.
0: Yeah. The the, the so. closest thing, like the closest analog that I could think of is uh, like depression playing an MMO or a JRPG.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: but that is less about the content unlocking something or the actual um, mechanics of the game mapping to your experience are unlocking something for you. Um, and it's more about finding a way to quiet things down. At least it was for me. Yeah.
2: There's a, a way to not feel for a little while. Yeah.
3: You get pulled away from the meta narrative of like the repetition and getting better at things. And you look at what these games are actually about, you know, it's understandable that people map it on to hardships in their life, because especially Dark Souls and on, there's this real question of everything sucks, but I really kind of do want to keep going. And I really kind of do want to perpetuate this world, even though it does suck, it it's something that we have. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: That whole something better than nothing, which like maps onto everything, maps specifically onto like suicide, right? Like, you know, giving into the dark and whatever these endings like. It is, you know, do you continue on with the hardships you have regardless of how nasty they are, or do you do you end it all? And like, I say that I'm not would never encourage suicide. This is the game where I think the what the game is trying to do is get you to to give in. Do I think this is the most nihilistic the series ever gets? Yes. Um. By by a large margin. Um, just to tell them large margins sent you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're <laughs> welcome.
3: Um, and that's why it, it says so much about me. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it is the, It is like thematically one of my favorites. I think it's yeah. one of the most pure yeah. um, in the series. Like I think that that, uh, that message ends up being kind of simple and direct. And part of that is because it is standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it is kind of simpler. Like there's kind of simply less text in Demon's souls than there is, uh, in the later entries, um, kind of in every respect, there are fewer items to read. There aren't connections to other, um, other areas. The environments are a little simpler. So there's a little bit less in the terms of, of environmental storytelling and they were still kind of figuring out what they were, were doing. So there's a little bit less there to read, but what's there is really kind of pure, um, in my mind. Yeah. As far as an expression of that idea.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a more cohesive voice. Um, probably, I mean, in hindsight, because they are not dedicating a lot of their energy toward trying to, you know, carry these attachments from previous entries in the series.
3: Yeah, yeah. especially coming back from a Dark Souls three world where a Dark Souls three, I think, followed the lost the TV show uh, way of explaining things, which is like, here's more questions. Forget all the things you knew. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. This this is very contained, very insular. Everything. Is answered as much as it's going to be, and as answered as much as it needs to be.
2: Right. Absolutely. Like people oftentimes bring up um, wanting to either have like Demon Souls two, or having uh, and you know like doing a remaster and doing that sixth Archstone and stuff. And like it is doing a remaster where it is uh, plays a little bit better or the graphics are better. Um, I can totally get into that. And not having to haul out my PS three, yes, like yeah. that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, but like I don't really want anything added to this narrative. No. Like, I, I think this is at that, this kind of, like, crystallized in a real perfect state where, like, we don't get answers to everything, but we get answers to the important parts and enough to make, like, a really, really strong um, kind of emotional brush to paint with.
3: Yeah. Um, and I think if they did add anything as far as the sixth archstone... They would probably map on second phases to all the bosses as well. Yeah. yeah I, I, gonna, I gotta imagine <laughs> gonna, you know, Bring out all the new
0: tools. We're gonna colorize yeah. this bad boy. Do you remember <laughs> like, you do, remember do, Dark do, Souls three? Well, this is harder,
2: yeah. baby. Get good. Yeah. Yeah. um the uh Yeah, because if, if they did just put this out again, like people who are raised in the later entries like people who go back to this, like I know people who just don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um and I know people who who do go back to it and are just like, yeah, this is too easy. Because I I think this is the easiest of the, the games. Like, there are a couple of spikes, mm-hmm. but I find this one pretty breezy to get through. Yeah. Um with just a couple of exceptions. Oh my gosh, it's
0: just soothing balm. Soothing,
2: yeah, soothing it, it, balm. It does feel really good to just kind of effortlessly sit down and because it it's shorter too. So it ends up being like it's like, hey, do you want to sit down for thirteen, fourteen hours? And play through like a complete Souls game where you get to see this, yeah. like get immersed in this like really amazing atmosphere, get this complete version of the story, um, you know, still has that kind of like play variety that I value in Dark Souls one. So replaying it is still fun. Yeah, um, it ends up being like a very compact package and like really easy to kind of suggest to people.
3: Right. Um, at I, just least it, imagery, to I just had this imagery. I said this imagery of playing Demon Souls like you would journey <laughs> or a game like that, where it's like, I think I'm just going to relax and play this. <laughs> fucking bleak game. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> it uh, it's funny because Demon Souls and Dark Souls uh one and two I I do pl- like when I was replaying them with frequency when I first played them it did become like a weird relaxing game like I would listen to podcasts and just kind of, you know, make my way through the game with with a new build. Like once you know them well enough it does become weirdly relaxing. Um in a way that like 2 never quite does because 2, you know, especially Scholar onward has a couple of like more difficulty spikes. Um, Bloodborne and three never got that way for me, but I could yeah. play Dark Souls and Demon Souls and and yeah. kind of relax, which is a weird thing to say, but I could, mm-hmm. um, which is which is valuable. Like it's a cool way yeah. to you know express mastery and kind of knowledge of of the game world.
1: Yeah,
2: I think. Yeah. Um let's get into it. Let's talk about uh let's talk about Demon Souls. So like just kind of demographic information, this was released in America in the October in October of 2009 on the PS3. Um and it is weird. It is a Sony game. Um there's this kind of strange situation with Sony and Atlas putting yeah. this out. Yeah, so it was initially published by
0: Sony over in Japan, um and Atlas kind of rescued it from from obscurity because Sony didn't have confidence that it would um uh, play as well over in America. So I was came out and and, and did that, um, but that Sony published that Sony publishing relationship is kind of why this has never left Sony consoles. You know, it is in the same kind of silo with Bloodborne at this point.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah, yep. Um, the, the the aka the good marketing silo. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> the the non. It's all the Ray release yeah, and uh, yeah, until the extreme edition, um, <laughs> challenge uh, we, the adjudicator to a wing
3: eating contest. <laughs> get get there's four adjudicators in one room. <laughs>
2: the, the original get good. Yeah, the adjudicator just buds off a smaller
3: adjudicator out <laughs> of his wound. Oh. And just yeah. Oops! All adjudicators. Like he's <laughs> he's full. And out comes the nameless king from the wound. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, in this game, uh, kind of the basic premise, uh, you are a warrior who's venturing into this colorless fog that has consumed the kingdom of Boletaria, um in search of powerful souls of demons. Um, after your first death, which the game very much encourages until it demands is, until it demands it, uh, you are trapped in something called the Nexus and compelled to plot, uh, compelled into a plot to lull the old one back to sleep. Um, and uh, this is this had kind of come out at a time. Uh, this is a spiritual successor to Kingsfield and kind of Shadow Tower, and it had been a long break. Yeah, um, which, you know, we we talked about this a lot in terms of the series, and if they announce a spiritual successor now, like I like the idea that they can take some time off and reinvent things, mm-hmm. or they, that they had, um, because then you get something like Demon Souls. Yeah, you know, as much as we both like, you know, I think I think this is probably the largest concentration of like Kingsfield fans. Uh, that have been like on this podcast right now. Like there's, there's three Kingsfield fans in the same you know, in the same call. Like that's that's significant. I mean, that's
3: all. That's 100 percent of the Kingsfield fans. So we oh, yeah. we, we have
2: it. Like we're, we're it's probably like two percent though. Yeah. Like it's you know that, that's an exaggeration, but it's still like yeah. those games are not popular. Um, so it is it is cool to think that you could go from from that take a long break and just totally reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, even from this thing that I you know I, I have a great deal of fondness for.
3: Yeah. yeah, well I remember the first Kingsfield game. I played it as a kid. So, a lot of the feelings that I had with the first Kingsfield game were about not knowing where I'm going. Were about this exploration into a weird, hostile world where I could die at every at every turn that really was reinvigorated when I got back into Demon Souls.
2: Mhm. And a really similar experience. Like I I talked about this I think on the first uh, Dark Souls episode, like maybe the first episode of the show, but I got um the first Kingsfield, when I saved up and bought my my PS1 and played it, and there are a lot of things like it does. Obviously, it doesn't have the textual element that Souls games do, but right in the beginning, you can go into a cave or you can go around a corner, and around the corner there was like a slime monster, and it totally destroyed me. And I remember thinking, you know what? If I like spend enough time, I could probably beat him. And then just sat there and like slowly w- whittle him down, and then was able to kind of sequence break. And it was a very Souls-esque experience for me to have at you know seventeen. <laughs> um yeah and it, it sounds re- like the phalanx yeah yeah i mean more really similar like kind of you know, the, the blob design uh carried forward into what a, what a weird first boss the phalanx oh is. like I, I love him but it's such a weird choice <laughs> yeah <laughs> like hey before you can level up why don't you yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah. so what uh what what's special about this what is what makes demon souls demon souls
0: i, I mean aside from the obvious that this established what it meant to be a souls game kind of
4: you yeah know, this, is, this the... is a
0: genre making game yeah like this is uh, you know like you're probably gonna look back and say like oh yeah this might be like the equivalent of doom
2: almost yeah doom or deus ex or like something like that you know ultimate underground underworld mm-hmm. like this is a genre defining game
4: yeah
2: um kind of regardless of how much proliferation the souls like genre happens like this is this is crazy important yeah um, the kind of things that it establishes yeah
0: and looking at it outside of the legacy that it created you know what you see is this kind of cross between you know an, an action rpg and a character action game a little bit right mm-hmm. you know it's definitely more plotting more methodical but like that's what they were working with but they established all these things that you know ended up being the mainstays specifically. I remember around the time this came out,
2: everybody talking about the online mechanics, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which just like, that's, we, we see little shades of that now in indie games. People talk about that. Um, and it was, that's such a neat idea.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I, I think, you know, I, it's always dangerous on a podcast to say anything I was the first to do anything. You know, because some somebody will be like, oh, but this obscure game did it. But it um, feels actually. like.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm <laughs> you, you get the of, um, actually squad.
2: A, a voice b- bubbles up from the well, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it feels like it feels unique. Right. Or it feels yeah. like when by the time this came out 2009, I don't remember seeing um, games that played with kind of cooperation and antagonism in terms of their multiplayer like this fluidly.
3: And to um, to get into future spoilers for Souls wins, uh, the fact that you don't see action RPGs anymore, you see Souls likes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even it's even sort of sucked into it, the Castlevania genre, to where you don't see Castlevania likes anymore. You see Souls likes that are 2D. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's all kind of uh, synthesizing in this way that it's kind of crazy to think started here. Um, you know, started with this. Like, it's it's just it's incredibly important. I don't think you can really overstate uh, how important Demon's Souls is. And, and it kind of like, I'm kind of jealous Mitch, that like you were able to experience it when it came out. Yeah. Um, because one of the things, you know, we can talk about that, uh, multiplayer mechanic, but I didn't, you know, by the time I'd played this, that was pretty dead. And that's kind of remained dead outside of a couple of like event weeks that, uh, you know, uh, PvP person puts on and stuff a year that, that kind of returns to volataria.
3: Well, the thing about the PvP and the PvE part of it is they weren't afraid to try metagame mechanics right so i play a lot of pvp with dark souls being in the forest covenant i mean dark souls 3 i just i lived in those the fight clubs i love (laughs) pvp because it's just it's this really raw feeling of me versus somebody else that's that's human that i can't map uh programs to right i can't say this person's gonna do this and so it's this really raw feeling and dark souls uh, or demon souls. Forgive me if I say dark souls every time. Uh, demon <laughs> souls. It. They tried stuff that was different. Like I remember going in with a scraping spear build. It's a spear that has no no PVE value, but in PvP, it just wrecks equipment to the yeah. point where you get mm. hit five times, and all of a sudden you're naked in the fucking battlefield. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it sucks, and you do it, and you get the and you get the hate for it. But but there's that. There's there's all of these different weapons that do things outside of the normal uh, build numbers, higher, higher numbers, higher attack, higher this. They do different things. And I think that was something that they were really willing to try in the PvP for Demon Souls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that PvP is always going to have like I'm
2: generally don't play a lot of competitive games. But one of the under- things I understand, the appeal of it is that, um, you know, you're not designed to win it no right like any any pvp or what pve or one player game um it's made for you to win and uh pvp match is not made for you to win so there there's always going to be um a little bit more of yourself that you're going to bring into it Mm -hmm. you know it's always going to be a little bit a little bit trickier and you're going to have a little bit more of a feeling of accomplishment yeah you know um and it's really cool for a game to embrace that and then also again the flip side uh, have that element of, uh, you know, the way the PVP expresses itself isn't just in like fight clubs. It's not, you know, double dragon mode B where you can fight <laughs> if you want to. It's got this invasive, they intersect. Right. Right. It's got this invasive, really? uh, uh, feeling as part of your single player game. Yeah. Um, I've only been invaded once, I think in demon souls, uh, but at the time, because it is, you know, I don't, didn't know as well as dark souls and I wasn't, uh, as experienced in these games, like it was terrifying and it yeah. was, you know, at an inopportune moment, I think I was in four <laughs> Oh Jesus! Um, which is a tricky yeah. place to, to get, you know, to get invaded. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, like you have such rights? a mission? I hope you <laughs> do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't want to fight outside and I also don't want to fight inside. No, like <laughs> you know, um, my, my hands are kind of full. Here, yeah, this is my real... back. Just take it, please. <laughs> yeah. If I if I can get you down to the slug pit, um, (laughs) you know, there's there's at least a chance you're going to get blown up by one of these gas spheres and
3: you're going to get willed to the wisp. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) they definitely they definitely tried to do, like I was saying, a lot of weird things. But even for PVE, the there was actually a recommendation mechanic. To where you could grade the people who came in for PVE and say this person did really well, so I'm going to give them an A. <laughs> this person gave a B or a C, and sometimes I got a D because people online are dicks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> B for dicks.
0: I, I never, I never realized that. I, I honestly don't think that I've ever like summoned anybody in for co-op in this game. I don't think I've ever actually rolled with somebody. It just doesn't happen very often
2: in the time no. we played. It.
0: You know? Right. Yeah we, we we came we came to it so late. I had no idea you could rate people like Uber drivers. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> but well, um... on top of that, like the PvP was a necessary mechanic. The you know getting into probably stuff later, the mechanics in this work so well with each other. Whereas Dark Souls on, you sort of have the PVE PvP mechanic as this ancillary experience that you can turn on and off if you want. Mm-hmm. If you want to do something with the world tendency and the player tendency. You have to interact with the PvP mechanic because there's just not enough uh, times where you can change your player and world tendency reliably to be able to do that in one playthrough without without it. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you have to really game it, um, and I imagine at the time when it came out, it a lot of that stuff was unknown too. Yeah. You know, so there's that element as well. Like now, when a a new Souls game comes out, there's like kind of legions of people um who are kind of figured out the the uh uh propensities, you know, the kind of oddnesses and quirks of the systems. Right. These uh these kind of the way that multiplayer reacts, things like the, you know, whatever the equivalent of world tendency is yeah. in any individual game. Um at the time, you know, is much more unknown. And that's something I, I think ties into the PvP, but is also kind of extends to the whole game that I'm really jealous of not being around for that kind of sense of mystery. Yeah. Um. One of like a really commonly repeated or kind of like important factoid is that the wiki was uh, hosted. Right. You know, by, by, by the people who made it the game when this first came out, like it was something where they wanted people to share that information. Mm-hmm. Um. Cause otherwise like, fuck if you're going to understand world tendency, no, like it's, it's kind <laughs> of a joke, but like it is, it is true. Like I would not have got it. Yeah. Um, you know, if I didn't have the, those resources. Looking at
0: it, you know, with the whole series up to this point in in mind, it is the most kind of inscrutable system that From has given us in these games is world tendency. Like you can't explain it, but like you look at it at at its at, at its surface, right? at what it actually shows you and fuck if you're able to actually like intuit that,
3: right? Mm-hmm. And it really speaks to an interesting design mechanic or design Uh, sort of choice for the Demon Souls game as opposed to the Dark Souls on where it it, there was this art direction of wanting to put you into a mysterious place Mm -hmm. like wanting to put you into this place where you didn't understand what's going on you even had everything in front of you all of the data and it's still like looking at hieroglyphs I don't know what (laughs) this means
2: yeah yeah with a really really low amount of contrast um, on those on those images specifically like the the world tendency map Mm mm-hmm uh, that you can pull up and that's such a really interesting kind of intersection of UI and narrative theme. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't that's something that it carried forward from from Shadow Tower and Kingsfield. This idea that not only is the narrative going to be about you being uh, alone and in a harsh environment, we're going to make the player feel harsh and alone in every way we possibly can. And that's not just, you know, difficulty with characters. That's also di- like strangeness in the world, kind of uniqueness. These like hostile mechanics Like Demon's Souls is more daring in all those respects. Not only does the game uh, unapologetically get harder when you fail at it, but there's all of the things with Yurt. You know, when I think about uh, one of the most impressive things about this, and this is skipping way forward, but Yurt is such a ballsy thing to do. Oh my God. (laughs) In this game, like that is, that is so hostile. And so like, (laughs) you know, such a, if I didn't, you know, kind of know about it going into uh, it and depending on, you know, If this had been my first Souls game, I could just be like, "Oh, my merchant died. What the fuck?" Yeah, (laughs) you know, like this. This is just a random world where arbitrary things happen. It totally hates me, you know. And again, you know, shades of the real world, right? Like you, you know, it's
0: it's tied back to a decision you made, you know, hours and hours ago, worlds away, quite literally. Um, and then all of a sudden, oh, there are bodies here. You know, not all of them are bodies that I, you know, that that are important. But then, boom, something important is taken away.
3: I like Mm -hmm. to think of Yurt as just like a house cat. You just start. You just start getting mice brought to you like they're fucking bold. He's like, "Here, do you see what I did? This is this is for you." It's like, God damn it, Hird! I need them to buy stuff. Yeah. yeah.
2: It just it's it's a uh, and it's you know it's not totally unfair because it ramps up you know with useless characters first, but it's up to you to kind of intuit what the fuck's going on, and damn. it's just it's. You know, it, it's a, it's a very brave choice.
0: Yeah. You know, usually they're, you know, like games have murder mysteries in them. It's fine. Uh usually they they don't take place and directly affect your ability to say, mmm, buy important items
2: yeah. like your spells. Yeah. And that and that's what's so daring about it, and that's part of that design ethos of like, you know, and it's something that I mean, you know, here here come like fucking comments, but like the uh that I do feel like the series kind of lost is that idea of making things harsh in ways other than just HP bloat and high amounts of damage and boss phases. Right. You know, that that was something that contributed to the challenge of the game in a kind of an interesting way. Um, as opposed to just like, oh now, you know, sister sister Freya comes back or Friday comes back. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, it's just much more interesting to me. And the game the games kind of lose that a little bit, and it's really, really in full effect here. Like, it's hard to say whether yurt specifically, like I could see that it's just on the side of fair to where it's a little bit of a gray line. Mm-hmm. You know, but it is a way of increasing challenge and hostility without just making things balls hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's really valuable and cool. And I would love to see that. Like, I want more of that in games in general, and definitely in whatever From does next. Um, yeah, mechanical
0: mystery, I think, is something yes. is is something that we you know we see. It is you know, at the core, at the heart of pretty much all the games in the series. Here, it is at its most, like you said, Gary, bold. Uh, but also, it's most all uh, like unapologetic, right? Yes,
2: yeah, ballsy and and pure.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, let's talk about um, let's talk about atmosphere too. So, like when I think about thing, big things that this game does, that kind of bleakness um, that comes forward in the plot and in the atmosphere, like as the I think unap, you know, unquestionably the most nihilistic of these games. Oh yeah. Um, and how this game works to get that across, because that kind of ties into that theme of just kind of harshness and adversity you know, in ways other than just mechanically yeah. or just, you know, just, uh, just flight wise. It's, it's accomplishing so much with so little because, you know,
0: in, in a way, you know, as much as we talk about, like, uh, going from generation to generation doesn't feel like that big of a leap anymore. Um, mm-hmm. this does look pretty, pretty archaic. Um, you know, technically, right? However, they do so much with what they have and what they opt to show you. Um, and I think that that leans into, like, this is a very, effective horror game I would probably say even more so than Bloodborne is which is more explicitly horror themed you know because of the sense of like just degradation that permeates this entire experience
3: I know you guys did the Berserk uh, manga episode this is the most Berserk in my mind of all the games I mean you know you have direct quotes in other games to Berserk but this one feels like it right in Berserk there's this whole idea that People people are not enough and they find these bellets or bailet? How do you say, I'm you know? The what the bellet, I yeah, the bellet, God, yeah. yeah. They find these bailets and they they are this this sort of introduction to the demon world where they don't have enough power, and so they use these to gain that demon power. And it's a real one-to-one comparison with Demon Souls, where you have characters like Maiden astrea and you have characters like all of those knights in Bulletaria where they didn't feel like they were enough to do what they wanted, and so they absorbed these demon souls and they became these monsters as opposed to the rest of the Dark Souls and Bloodborne, where everything is just monsters from the get go, except for a little bit of Bloodborne. But yeah. um everything's monsters from the get go, and it's so one to one to the point where I feel like if at the end of Berserk, when everything's said and done and Guts has killed Femto and God Hand and is standing in front of God, um, he's probably gonna kill him and end the world. So <laughs> Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, it, it's, it's that, but it's also the fact, you know, so it does, uh, you know, the monsters are kind of human and change and they also don't map onto anything No, the way they do in Bloodborne, you know? So one way that this is more effective horror is that it's not werewolves and then Lovecraft, you know, like some of the, the monster designs in, in Bloodborne are just fantastic, right? Like mm-hmm. it's one of the big, great strengths of that game, but they're all kind of recognizable, As a genre thing, it's really hard to even call, you know, to say what genre Demon Souls or what kind of horror it is. Right. Um, Other Mm -hmm. than that kind of Berserk comparison, you know, like there are things about um, things that happen to this that feel very Berserk, like um, the uh, uh, in Latria, the people turning into those kind of two headed, you know, like I can imagine a Berserk comic where Guts kills one of those kind of man slug things. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. And it burst into its second form, like the second face that is being subsumed by flesh until you cut it away
3: When those big you know? those big balls of of prisoners in Latria too yeah like you could see that map directly onto berserk where somebody 's like here 's all these people put together now they 're a monster, fight them,
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, and there 's still still people it still has that kind of patheticness yeah. uh, to it, you know, and that 's not something that uh you necessarily see like you've seen you know that 's a grand fluoon from from Castlevania more or less. But you yeah. don't see that, in, like that's not a genre of horror, right? Um, you know the way that the Bloodborne, for all that I love it, like does map onto genres.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Demon Souls does not. Yeah, like the 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 thing that struck me so much about this coming to it, you
0: know, after seeing the previous, you know, like the, the, the games that came later, like everything about Demon Souls hammers home that life means nothing here, and that mm-hmm. that, that 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 has to. Has two meetings here, okay? Like, yes, there's no sense in going on, but also, like, there's just no value attached to life. Like, we are so far past that at this point, <laughs> and you, you know, each of these branches that you go down is a different short story about that thesis. It feels like, mm-hmm. you know, and just the different ways that it articulates. Again, the ways that the people, you know, who were under the whim of these demons and, you know, uh, who were the chaff uh, for, for this pursuit of demon souls, the way that they in particular were degraded, um, you know, each of that has its own flavor
2: attached to it. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and it all like pretty much, you know, so it, it comes through in those designs, right? Like, so you have that that kind of expression of that idea that we are post post-conventional value of life um, that comes through in in monster designs. Uh, but I can't, you know, in addition to to that, it also has that weirdness and scale mm-hmm. um, to it, to where, like, we are past life in a sense that um, it, it's meaningless, but also that we are bigger than that. So you run into these demons, and unlike a lot of the games in the series, like, do feel larger than life in, in a really huge way. Yeah. Um, the obvious one is the Storm King, which feels like an alien god, um, more so like even feels kind of mythical and beyond that, even more than something like a does mm-hmm. to me. Um, so they, they, it's not just beyond it in terms of kind of morality and beyond it in terms of definition, but also in terms of scale. Uh, and that's something that kind of offbeat nature is something this game does better than other games in the series. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and just the the variety, you guys, <laughs> just the number, the, just the how dense this game is with visual ideas and with mm-hmm. you know mechanical ideas. You know, we're going to talk about these bosses. You know, a large percent of the percentage of these bosses don't just exist to act as a wall. Like, like mm-hmm. they exist because somebody somebody had an idea for like what would be what would be an interesting way to tackle um, something,
2: kind of not just by fighting it. You know. Yeah. Well, they they don't overlap very much either. Right. Like looking at them all together, like it's pretty. So like Dirty Colossus and Leechmonger are pretty similar mechanically. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Penetrator and, you know, Flame Lurker, there's a little bit of of similarness to that. But most of them have like kind of different, like very, very strong, different ideas behind them.
3: Speaks to the design, design ethos of the team that they did so much with so little, you know, that everything had a specific thesis behind it as opposed to you know the games now where it's just like oh here's this big fast monster that's going to beat you up mm-hmm. as opposed to this big fast monster who's going to beat you up with different kind of tentacles coming out of it yeah mm-hmm. um, everything everything here is patently unique i can't you know like you were saying the the leechmonger and the uh, dirty claws probably feel the same but I, I that's probably the only instance of that happening you know you have the flame lurker which, even though he is sort of a humanoid type monster, he's way different than those two. And right. if you approach yeah. it the same way, you are not going to do well. <laughs>
0: right.
2: It's um. I think that's a function of the, the ethos and it just being the first in the series. Mm-hmm. And that's something there is a marked decrease in as the series goes on. Yeah. Still present. Uh-huh. Like still present. You you have that ethic in something like Wolnir, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They they still do something like you know it comes up. It just comes up less often as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. And you know mm-hmm. it's uh early on it's very, and that I don't really blame the developers for that. Like how many cool ideas for bosses are you expected to have? <laughs> right. You know, at some point, you know, you're, and they also, they're listening to fans where they want very challenging fights, mm-hmm. you know, and without these kind of, but some of these, these bosses are such pushovers if you know the idea behind them. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it has that little element that, you know, is present, definitely present in dark souls one, um, but almost absent in dark souls two. And, you know, again, almost absent in the next three as well. Or the final three yeah. of just kind of like I have to figure this out. Yeah. Um. You know what? What is the con? What is the idea behind this? You, you, you know, and those are always my favorite fights in the series. Yeah. Mm.
0: You 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 look at like just the the the, the arch demons, right? You know the, the 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 massive powerful beings that preside at the end of these worlds. You know, um, as far as you can go. Um, I would say that of the four arch demons that you have to fight, uh, sorry, five rather. Sorry. Um, only one of them is like a really is is designed to be a combat challenge, mm-hmm. uh, Old King Allent, right? Or a lot. Mm. Um, every other okay. one uh, could be viewed as almost this. I mean, anticlimax is the wrong word because Storm King, it, like everything yeah. about that, is climax. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, but uh, most of the other stuff, you know, has this kind of you know distinct, understated kind of I mean gimmick to it,
2: right? Yeah. I mean old monk is definitely a combat challenge, but it's a really interesting one uh, yeah, yeah, and it's 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 you know it has the bravery to be variable mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. this could be uh it could be anything yeah and, and that's uh, why also, I, that's why I initially discounted it there,
3: yeah, also if you are online, the old monk could be potentially the hardest boss there is,
2: so oh, of course, yeah, in the game for sure like the, the but it's at least it's an interesting spirit. idea yeah. you know it, it's mm-hmm. it's a an idea first uh design for for bosses mm-hmm. um that I think is is awesome. Like, I, you know, I don't, I, I appreciate it so much. Like, I can't really overstate how cool that is to me, um, to where even if once I figured it out, so like something like you mentioned storm King, which is one of my favorite souls bosses ever. Like, even if I figured it out, it's always cool to fight because it mm-hmm. feels so fucking like, you know, I, I, hate the word, but like feels epic, mm-hmm. you know, it feels like a cap to this area,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, in this way that doesn't always come across.
3: Right. Um, yeah love it love it and in the case of storm king the using that term it's not trite it's not like saying oh this is epic it's like this thing is bigger (laughs) than anything i could imagine in this game like you fought the you fought the tower knight which feels huge Mm -hmm. but this thing is is just floating in the air as if it's a force of nature which is exactly Mm -hmm. what they're trying to go for it blots out the sun yeah yeah it it doesn't feel like anything else in this world in in if you aren't prepared, that boss fight is absolutely going to take you out. But if you understand it, if you understand the nature of the Storm King, mm-hmm. it's not too difficult to take out. You you just have to use uh, the the Yorm sword.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: the Yorm. Everyone's fave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Yep. It's> <laughs> <laughs> Yorms yeah. yeah. <laughs> my Yorm's glaive. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's really something else, and it's like. When I go back to it, it's the, it's the thing that's most valuable. The the mechanics, the kind of rhythms of combat and everything, are all things I still think hold up, mm-hmm. um, but are not quite as impressive to me generally, right? right. So, like, if we get into, like nitty gritty of of mechanics, um, to me, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Yeah. Um, and even down to the individual mechanic, like, there's things good about good and bad about each mechanic. There's nothing I think is a abject failure, right? That's in here. But like, you look at something like the healing system, right? Which like you know, they, they quickly addressed. Like, I feel like that's one of the biggest differences between this and, and De- Dark Souls right. in terms of kind of the rhythm of play. Um, and it's because this is a very conventional healing system. Yeah. Like, to me, this speaks of not quite knowing how to innovate one aspect of the game the same way they've innovated all, all the other ones. Yeah,
0: it feels very traditional RPG, the approach that they have, which is just having this cons- uh, persistent stock of, um, you know, items that you gather from out in the world
2: mm mm-hmm. and and it it does like you know people complain about it it obviates difficulty you can grind for it etc um you know I never really had to grind for it and it's still something that i would prefer over grinding for blood vials you know like they don't get more expensive like they don't it doesn't become there are a lot of like kind of later problems it just doesn't add a whole lot to me right like I generally but- you know have 99 of like the lightest one and uh can just kind of pop them when I need to
3: I feel like it's you know? not as bad as Blood vials specifically. When you think about like it, when it came out, there's no Dark Souls before it. There's no anything before it, and so people weren't good at it. And so, where are you going to spend the most time dying? It's going to be bulletaria for sure, because those mm-hmm. are the biggest difficulty spikes. You know, bulletaria one and two when you're first getting into it. bulletaria one three where you just got done probably with the Dragon God, you're going to face another difficulty spike. And so you're dying the most in Bulletaria. And so it was this sort of uh, this game way of giving you what you needed to continue. Um, Mm. So I I think in the natural order of things, it probably worked out to be better than Blood Vials because you spend a very small amount of time in uh, central Yarnum. And then the only other place you get blood vials is in an optional area uh, of Hemmick Charnel Lane. Right, right, right.
2: So it's it's not – and you can always just kind of uh, get them as well, Mm -hmm. right? So like – you're gonna They're going to drop there frequently, which I think you're right. I think that is the reason why they have them uh, such, so frequently there. And it's a good observation that they have them in 1-3 as well, because they never really put that together. But that is, you know, another difficulty spike, right? Like, you're going to go back there. Um, it's also, they front load the game with them, because if you're looking at this as a conventional game, of course you're going to go to 1-1 one, one and 1-2. One, mm-hmm. You know, that's a lower number. Like, that that's going to be the easiest thing to do, um, you know, as opposed to the actual difficulty, you know, order, which is, like, making the rounds. Yeah um are all the ones um you can always get them so it kind of becomes like a non-issue like it ends up becoming something that i don't necessarily appreciate nor do i think detracts really
4: yeah
0: yeah i'm kind of i'm ambivalent about it i you know i ended up i usually end up having to make a couple of runs just to just to replenish my stock um i don't you know it, it, take away my amulet if you want I, I i have to farm for healing items because i use a lot of healing items but um, it is definitely uh I don't know. I, I like this pure expression of it than the one we saw in Bloodborne, which, you know, had the persistent stock, but also limited how many you could carry at any given time. Mm-hmm. Um in this, I'm pretty much just always aware of like what my stock is and I and I know how to ration it.
3: Yeah. I think it also has to do with the design mechanic of Bloodborne, where you're always in the fight, where you're always fighting and you're always losing life and sort of gaining back. Mm-hmm. And in Bloodborne, oftentimes you'll find yourself in a situation where you're losing more than you're gaining. And so you just have to you just pop it and it's quick mm-hmm. and it's fast. But Demon Souls invites you to take every sort of encounter on its own terms and play it a lot more like a Dark Souls game where you're going slowly, methodically with your shield up. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. it, it doesn't invite that kind of getting into the fray. And so you don't you treat your healing items a little bit more Uh, measured as opposed to, you know, getting drunk on blood vials and (laughs) bloodborne.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like that, um, that discouragement from getting into the fray intersects with other mechanics as well, um, because this is pre-poise. Yeah. Um, You know, it's where this is something where not only uh, are you kind of discouraged from wearing armor, um, but armor does not make a difference in your... Your ability set really up until you switch into fat roll and the game becomes intolerable. <laughs> um, you know, like I can't imagine playing Demon Souls no. heavy rolling. No. Um, so you are a lot more mobile, but you can't you have to you're mobile and careful
4: mm-hmm.
2: as opposed to kind of mobile and reckless uh, as you are in, in Bloodborne. And the, and the the game kind of encourages those respective approaches. Yeah. Um, I was
0: kind of shocked. Just if, if we're talking about just like combat kind of, kind of things, how 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 forgiving the, the the margin was on backstabs. I would be oh, like, yeah. I would be like <laughs> standing roughly in the periphery of somebody, and then I'm doing this brutal like devil may cry, just ripping somebody in half attack. On the back of it, like I just, I was, I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't fishing, but I like what I caught. Okay,
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, the backstab and and parry animations in this game are my favorite in the series. Yep. like uh, yeah, with, really it, cool. with the possible exception of the halberd one from Dark Souls Two. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's so brutal.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, like. Such a sense of impact of you just kicking that like get off my fucking sword like <laughs> yeah. get, get the fuck out of my house, dude <laughs> don't let the sun don't let the sun set out and you on my sword <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. yeah, um, and' th- th- they're doing some tricks with that too, like they're they're not afraid to like just really grab control of the camera and bring it in on that
2: uh, as mm-hmm. well, they're
4: and
0: doing... the sound,
2: yeah. <laughs> like it's it's so loud like it's so uh uh loud huge you know huge impact uh on that and this was like man just thinking about first things like this is kind of transitioning i don't want to get back on aesthetics because we had to move on at some point but how innovative <laughs> yeah. and cool is it that this game didn't have music in the levels oh my god that's something like we take so take for granted but it's so fucking awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> just oh, like sure. the ambience and you know yeah. enemy sounds and, and and everything and it just makes the music matter and like i'm gonna you know i definitely want to do a type five on the music at some point of course In this but I it's mean, like
3: yeah. <laughs> when you're just sitting there and you're you are you don't have the music, it almost gives you a sense of insecurity. You know, uh-huh. you, you go through a game and the music tells you how you should approach a situation. Yes. <laughs> you know, if it's that hero music you're going to go in, you know, guns blazing. If it's the, the the scary music, you know there's enemies. But if there's no music, it's almost like, it's almost like being in a conversation with somebody at a party and you're both not saying anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm. how is this supposed to go? Yeah, And it leads to this uneasiness about what's going to happen because you know in the past that you have gotten wrecked over and over again. <laughs> and you're like, okay, let's see how this, how yeah. this works.
2: Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's, it's definitely true that in most games, uh, and this is something that, you know, largely borrowed from film. and It's one of the reasons why I decry the filmification of game scores is it's the music telling you how to feel, mm-hmm. you know, like it, and, and a lot of games, the music does a lot of the heavy lifting right. for that, you know, like a scene that might be laughable, that is supposed to be emotional, might be a little bit more emotional because of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times it feels like, Oh, well, like if I was reading this, um, this would not have an an impact. No, You know, like this is, this is a little bit limp. The music helps with that. This game doesn't really do that. And instead lets you fill in your own feeling because, most of the time you do have that feeling of being scared that you're talking about, Mitch. Sometimes, though, when I do feel like, OK, I fucking got this, you know, I can replace that kind of emptiness with a, you know, like an eye of the tiger style. Like, you know, I'm going to fucking do this. Like, no, you, you fuck, get off my sword. You, you know, just like that kind of uh, uh, sputtering anger and yeah. sputtering confidence. Yeah. And that music allows you to kind of put in whatever feeling you're actually feeling at the time. Right uh or take this back to atmospherics you
0: know the fact that they use the sound channel uh to give you information about the world um a plays into the fact that this is a little bit of a, a you know a lonely wandering game after you take out the you know the enemies that are pressing you you are left in the stillness and you're left to hear you know just like what is happening in the world around you and each each of these worlds has its own thing going on. Like just the the ambient sound design is amazing. You have the fires crackling and, and, and in You have the steady drip 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 in uh, in in the Valley of Defilement. That fucking heartbeat in um, mm-hmm. in in, in oh, yeah. three two. or the. Yeah, We're going to the... talk
3: about top five atmospheric keys in a game. <laughs> yeah.
0: like I just like my heart rate was was like just pumping. You know, hearing yeah. that, like it just and when it goes away, like I'm not sure which is better or the screaming.
2: I, I forget the name oh, of the okay. NPC.
4: Lord, ah! right now. <laughs> help me,
2: uh, yeah. Right, Rydell, yeah. Right, Rydell is one of my favorite, like dorky things about this game where, like, you're walking around, it's super scary, and then the shopkeeper comes in with a oh, like thing, and it, it's, it's spooky, but then you're just walking around, and you just hear. Ah! <laughs> It's such a muppet <laughs> yell yeah.
3: like, when you can't even do anything about it until you actually get further and get white world tendency it's just there and it's like okay calm down but
2: yeah right. yeah right now, i need you to chill out like <laughs> uh take five right um it is but it is it is uh you know that that heartbeat is is just like super incredible yeah um and it's all it's not just atmosphere, it's also giving you information about the world. Right. So like you know, hearing that singing, it's like, what's the source of that? Hearing that screaming, what's the source of that? Like I need to find that. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to be something that's gonna kill me? Is it going to be a boon? You know, uh it could go either way. And and that kind of curiosity driving you forward is really, really strong in this game. Yes. Um let's talk about um let's talk about level design. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's very fine indeed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um so I sp- I, I kind of
0: broke myself or spoiled myself because I'm about mm, let's say halfway through my uh, Dark Souls playthrough and mm-hmm. you know we're going to talk plenty of sugar about that. Um but so it's 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 hard for me to put myself back in the mind of Demon Souls. So the fact that Demon Souls is not arranged around bonfires, you know, it is not, is not about these kind of rushes to safety and these you know these rushes to like okay, this is my safe harbor now. Like the fact that they just have these art stones and it's like, okay, you're going to go from the very beginning of this level to the boss. Um, and you're just going to kind of going to have to do that and deal with it um, is a very strong statement uh, about the, like the, the designer's expectation of you. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, about their expectation of you. And then also, you know, it's a, it's a strong, you know, they build the world around it yeah, in a way that, uh, you know, is, I feel like, you know, some of the levels in this game are as impressive as, as they've done in this series. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always work. Like you run into something like two, two, which like, yeah, I've got a lot of problems with two, two. Um, but you, uh, when it works, it works so, so well. And it, in a way it is as impressive and cool as the interconnected world design of dark souls one.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Like this is kind of the, an equivalent feat, um inside a level. Like, you know, finding the multiple kind of shuttle run esque shortcuts in one one, one, one to get back there is, as satisfying and impressive
3: mm-hmm. as, uh, I mean, as talk- it
2: is to go back to the Berg or go back to Firelink.
3: You talk about the world design of 1-1, which is so amazing. I mean, the world design, or not 1-1, uh, Dark Souls. The world design mm-hmm. of Dark Souls is one of the best world designs in games ever, period. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that it interconnects and weaves. Um, the enemy design and the encounter design of Demon Souls is better in my mind. You know the the way that they uh, sort of deal with difficulty as encounter as opposed to through enemies, right? I don't. I wouldn't say that any enemies that you encounter at the appropriate level are incredibly difficult, especially if you're a veteran of the of the games. Um, but the way that they set them up, the way that they post them up, because they know how you're going to encounter a level, yeah. right? In, in Dark Souls, you can go around behind, you can skip. Light Town altogether. You know, you can do things in a number of different ways to where they sort of design a set piece and then you encounter that the way that you want. Whereas Demon Souls, they have a lot more control over the way that you encounter enemies to where they can skillfully make these encounter designs um, the way that makes them punishing but not unlearnable, not mm-hmm. impossible.
2: Mm hmm. It's, it's the Castlevania 1 and Castlevania 2 issue. Right. You know, where like Castlevania 2, they, the encounter design is not as thoughtful because you can come from any direction. Um, in Dark Souls 1, I think they actually, I think they kind of have a foot in both ponds in Dark Souls 1. Yeah. Um, because Dark Souls 1 does that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, like there are definitely places um, where they do know which way you're coming from it and they do plan around it. Um, so, like, even though you might visit the Duke's archives in. Whatever order you want, you're always coming into that first area. You always you always go in through the vestibule and then go into the library, and then continue on. So they can still plan encounters that way, but not every encounter is planned that way. And in Demon Souls, everything feels done that way. Um, and I think that might be what you know what you're talking about, where it's like the density of that strength, which I think is present in both games, is, is denser here. For sure, it's um it's really really good. Like Volitaria one one, I think is like a Super Mario Brothers level one almost like accomplishment like that's a huge statement so maybe you know but it's it's really up there Mm -hmm. i think one one is one of the best levels in games um hands down like really easily
3: definitely i mean even outside of the way that the level is is structured to sort of integrate you into demon souls as quick as possible i mean you, you just think about it like from a design aesthetic they know that their game's super difficult and so they have to train you in basically everything that you need to know from the point that you start to the point where there's that first pit that you jump into instinctively. <laughs>
4: yeah. They have to because train you in everything. That, yeah,
3: yeah it, they have to train you in everything that you need to know. And at that point, they're telling you, "Hey, don't just follow anything stupid." Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's even this this lore aspect to it where you start off in the same place that everybody who gets summoned into the Nexus starts off, and so those those soldiers that you first encounter, the the, the uh, things that are set up. To the barricades in that first encounter, they're all beaten up. The soldiers are hollowed. Everything mm-hmm. is sort of torn away. and after that point, you actually get to humans. Like it's one of the few points in the entire Soul series where you're fighting human beings just as normal enemies. yeah, um, and so it's like the that first area where you're learning everything, that's where everybody's learning everything. That's why <laughs> it looks. that's why there's so many dead people. That's why everything's so worn down. That's why the soldiers are worn down. That's why there's so many posted up like everything that exists in this world exists for a reason narratively on top of existing gameplay wise, which is why it's such a feat to me. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it was um, when we did our first episode of this, um, there's something like Jason Killingsworth picked up on as well as that uh, Bulletaria is one of the areas that most seems like it is prepared for a hostile invasion mm-hmm. and underlines that kind of you are an invader thing like this kind of subtext that becomes, you know, text with Estrella. Right. Um, but mm. it starts off as this kind of subtext um, that you maybe are not aware of, but the kind of design of it being fortified against you um, kind of hints at that early on. Impressive stuff. Very much so.
0: Yeah, I uh, I I you guys are all hit, hitting my points on this. <laughs> so <laughs> I was gonna make the rawr. Castlevania one, Castlevania two comparison. No. <laughs> no, you guys just did it. I I feel I feel dumb that I haven't said anything, but I don't have anything to add. Like it's like the again, the clarity of focus, the simplicity of their approach help you know, helps them, you know, design this uh in you know in exactly the way that they need to make, you know, to convey what they need to convey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um
2: one of the like so and Again, since we're kind of like part of the this look back is looking at things in comparison to themselves, I guess it is probably uh, good to to talk about at least one that you know one thing that got better, uh, which is like the upgrade. Oh yeah, uh, stuff like <laughs> um, which is uh, even the fact that it's so fiddly and and varied. I think is actually okay. Yeah, um, I like that you get uh, heavy weapons and then also like I can't remember what the other thing that's like heavy is, <laughs> um, but I like that what I don't like is tying upgrade materials to rare drops new, no, no, um, which is an no. infamous thing to hate in this game. But I, I, think that that actually rewards the wrong behavior. Yeah. Um, you know, in a way that I'm really glad they kind of gave up on. I think that dark souls one, again, for me being the paragon of the series, like in a lot of ways, you know, tied exploration and upgrades together in a way that is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you know, by making, you know, your sharp stones just be, you know, from this one rare enemy, um, ties it to exploration, and then also adds like I'd like to add a tedium rider to that bill. Um, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> pass the uh, the pervert uh, <laughs> the Springfield Assistance Act.
4: Um,
2: you know, it, it kind of adds a rider to it that I think is is unnecessary and bad. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I like the variety an awful lot. <laughs> you know, um, because uh, like build variety is great, um, and the fact that you can just roll around like, oh, what do I make with Mercury Stone? That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a like the, 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 that is definitely a positive. Grinding for anything is no good. Like and I yeah. think that it's just a matter of they had to figure out which systems to connect together. Um and I, it's it's good that they quickly learned um which, you know, like which systems to actually attach to, you know, upgrades, to actually, you mm-hmm. know, making your character do what you want them to do. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um it has the effect of kind of uh, having a little bit less variety than initially it lets on, which can be kind of a bummer. It, that also kind of comes in with the different builds not being as as strong as one another. So not every build is viable. Right. You know, you ask like what you do with mercury uh, stones and the answer is nothing. Right. Because like, you know, if, you, if you're if you going to set up like a, a point that's poison, right? I think that it makes poison mm-hmm. items. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like a poison build is particularly viable because there are enemies that are immune to poison. It kind of doesn't feel, follow through with that promise. Um, but it does, it does, you know, well enough to where it's like, I wouldn't give up on that variety. I just wish that it went a little bit further and all of these different kind of, uh, paths were viable. Mm
3: -hmm. Well, the thing about Uh, the, the, the paths there is that some of their paths were made specifically for PVP, right? Like you think about the marrow stone, which does sort of the backstab path. You think about the, uh, sucker stone, which is the vampire path or Maybe that's the bleed path. I, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> there's some paths that are specifically for PvP. They're trying to in, in, integrate it with the system already there. And so it feels like it's not viable. And trust me, if you're doing PvE right now, Mercury has no purpose. But if mm-hmm. you're doing like a gimmick build online, or if you're the monk and you want to just hit somebody with poison, which is pretty effective, yeah, especially considering what it takes to... <laughs> get rid of it right um and and also also the fact that the interface doesn't
0: communicate that you are poisoned um, outside of the sound effect
3: yeah well you poison somebody and you sit back and you let your uh your homing soul ray take (laughs) care of them like you know that there's there's a metagame around it but i think that a big part of this upgrade economy was lost with the pvp unfortunately yeah
2: yeah yeah i i that's a, that's a good point, point because and that's something that is good. One of the reasons why I like having people on the show is because things like uh, PvP tend to get lost in my considerations, you know, the game, which is, which is my fault, because I, I just play through it one player. So something like that does seem useless, but I think you're right. I think that is the, kind of the idea. When you're playing it just through one player, though, it is kind of a trial and error to figure out that those things are useless, right? Like, poison doesn't sound like a gimmick PvP build thing. It sounds like, oh, I'm going to poison all these bosses, and then you get to them, and they can't be poisoned, Oh, sure. You know, which is kind of, which is kind of the bummer part. Like if that is the idea, I wish it was communicated a little bit clearly, a little bit more clearly, like, or I think that is the idea. I wish it was communicated a little bit better. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? what else, what else makes demon souls, demon souls, what else we got to talk to? Are we, are we, are we made it to the souls of gorys? Um,
0: we've already talked about the plot. So that's there. Um, we should talk about the nexus because that is tied up with the, uh, the world design uh, to this mm-hmm. as well, but you know, in the comparison, you know, in the in the balance of these other, uh, you know, these other kind of hub areas, uh, the Nexus, I think, um, is it's a bit of an odd duck, right? Because I love the design of it, I love the music, um, you know, it, it's it serves a perfectly fine function. Um, I don't know, it feels like a lot of big empty space to me. Um, I don't know, yeah. like just like like, like well, what's your guys's you know general read on how successful the Nexus is? as a uh, as as your uh, kind of safe harbor.
2: Yeah, go go for it Mitch. You go first.
3: Um well I think the nexus is one of my favorite places to to have as a home base partly because everything is there outside of like big upgrades. Mm-hmm. Um it's something that gets a little bit lost with Dark Souls where you have to go down into the catacombs if you want a fire build or you have to go to Orlando if you want a boss weapon mm-hmm. or you have to go to I, I mean like they they sort of spread everything out with Dark Souls just to fit a more narrative feel mm-hmm. um but everything was right there in the nexus which was kind of nice there is a lot of empty space that goes along with it but it kind of says to me and I'm not saying like this is the best gameplay consideration but it kind of says to me that there was once this sort of bustling nexus mm-hmm. that eventually deteriorated to the small collection of people down at the bottom right so you have all of those monuments uh up at, that's what they're called right monuments <laughs> the mo- yeah they're, mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah, monumentals, uh, yeah right. the monumentals
0: the monumentals i always forget that the monumentals <laughs> are a thing in this game and like when they say go up and talk to the monumental oh and get like a bunch of exposition in this cutscene.
2: that's kind of yeah. weird <laughs> yeah the monumental is a weird sh- weird uh weird <laughs> stop for sure <laughs>
3: You have all the monumentals that are that are there that are dead except for that one that's living. You have doors that are closed up at the very top. You have a place where Yurt kind of hangs out to bring all his corpses. You have all the you have all of the stuff that sort of speaks to a, a greater nexus that used to be. And I think that's that sort of DemonSouls. text. It's like this world used to be something and now it's just this sort of condensed mass of Really sad people where, you know, like the crestfallen soldier, he he kills himself in the middle of it because he doesn't know what he's what he's there for. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it speaks to what they were trying to do. Um, and I use sort of uh, inductive reasoning for that because you go back to Dark Souls 2 where they collected everything in Majula. You go to Dark Souls 3 where everything is in that Nexus 2.0 mm-hmm. Um they they really wanted to do that nexus and they felt like it was successful i feel like it's successful i can definitely see um issues with it and i think that if you were to compare this to dark souls 1 i would say that the world design sort of would speak to the nexus not being as good as dark souls 1 but i think that uh it really conveys a world that used to be and it conveys what they were trying to convey yeah mm
2: yeah i i agree with that as far as like i I like the nexus uh kind of how it takes its place in the world kind of narratively right like even the big empty space makes it feel like something alien and otherworldly um from a gameplay perspective though i think it's a big pain in the dick yeah uh (laughs) you know walking up to the monumental sucks uh doing like you know and this is gaming it right but like doing my suicide runs after i beat a boss like okay this is just the old suicide uh ledge (laughs) everybody go up to old suicide point and Throw yourself off the the thing, um, it just kind of like becomes this time tax and 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 kind of tedious, yeah. You know, and even finding you know like where is y- like oh I sent Yurt back where is he and kind of searching around for him where it is this it's kind of overly big area, mm-hmm. um, did feel like not not overtly hostile but like it makes it a little bit less successful to me as as a source of sanctuary. I do think that it does kind of get across an otherworldliness though. That none of the other hubs do. Uh, yeah. Perhaps me, uh, accepting the
3: hunter's dream, you know? It goes back to the episode that you guys did about um, about Sons of Liberty recently. Or, right, Sons of Liberty? No. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's Sons of Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's the, the one you guys did about Metal Gear Solid 2 where it's like, Kojima, you know, he has this way about him. And even if what he was doing, he was successful in the way that he did it, isn't necessarily the right way to do things. Is it worth it? Yeah. 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 And I mean, you're, you're being hidden serves a huge sort of narrative, uh, a huge narrative. He's there narratively for a reason. Like he's trying to hide so that he can do what he wants to do. But I mean, it kind of sucks because you never go there to begin with. And so you're going to end up with people dead. Like the, the actual acting out of what's going on sucks, even though it fits with what they were trying to accomplish.
2: Yeah. Right. So then it becomes an equation where there's worth paying the price to get the, you know, to get the cool thing. Like you get a cool thing from this, you have to pay a certain kind of gameplay price. One of them's on one side of the scale, one of them's on the other. Is it worth it? You know, and that's kind of the 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 answer, or that's kind of the question, rather, there. Yeah. So it, it's not, it's definitely not, um, you know, willy-nilly. It's not arbitrary where these things are, are placed, but it's just finding that balance between, Wanting to find, um, you know, fulfill this narrative purpose, and wanting to be, you know, a game like mm-hmm. be have have kind of an ease of use consideration
0: yeah.
2: for it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, your was just the first example that popped out of my head. Um, there are other things that are less narratively hidden, right? You know, that still like take me, a, you know, kind of a pain to find. Yeah. Like even <laughs> knowing that they and people were going to be in those little water wing areas onto yeah. to the right and left, like. I missed the first time I could go over and talk to um, the disciple of God or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, just because it is it is a large area to explore. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't want to hang out next to each other. No, no. There, um, which I get. But it is uh, – so it, in, I'm, I'm kind of of two minds of it. I like it a lot. My favorite part about it, and this is – you know, call me a bumpkin or whatever, is the weird floor that starts oh, yeah. wobbling unstably oh, when you sure. have killed a couple, like uh-huh. walking through that on that, like it makes me feel like if I'm on a glass elevator, or I'm on anything with a clear floor, mm-hmm. I get instant and crippling like vertigo and want to die. Right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. uh- and it, it fulfills that. Uh, and just like the first time I stepped on that and it wobbled, it was like, mm. no, fuck you. <laughs> you know, no, 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 yeah. um, well, you no. Know, will, this, will this clock come up and devour me? Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, probably. Um, that is, and the way that man, the way oh, that articulates the, at the end oh, with the sword dropping down from that massive statue, yeah. like that's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. um, so so that's that's uh, visually my favorite part of it. They kind mm-hmm. of like all of the extra rooms and stuff. You know, I, I can see kind of two arguments for, but yeah. the main one is really understand
3: good. that. I mean, especially God help you if you're trying to do Mephistopheles without a fucking faq yeah i yeah, couldn't yeah. even imagine the first person who oh i have to kill your at black character tendency and then here's this random npc and then i have to kill everybody in the nexus yeah i mean it's just that there's this level of uh mystery that goes beyond mysterious and into confusion which i think is a real problem that demon souls like in towing that line demon souls really comes into issues with that
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, because it's, you can see what they're, what they're going for. Um, again, just because I'm, I'm, you know, I've said this before, but dark souls one being the exemplar for me in a lot of ways, I think that did the best, uh, articulation of that, you know, that kind of hiding secrets where you get most of the breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. through natural play. And then it's up to you to kind of do something possibly unintuitive, but not impossible to kind of finish it off. Um, I think what demon souls is going for is more, you know, it's going to be a real edge case of a player who does this naturally, stumbles across it, then is going to go online and say, hey, guys, you're not going to fucking believe this. <laughs> right. This ha- I ran this NPC. Who does anybody know who this is? Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone's going to be like, holy shit, I haven't seen that person. Let me. Update and the you're Wiki. just. Yeah, it, it's like that frog fractions thing of mm-hmm. like, you know, not uh, everyone's going to do this, but with a large enough player base, you know, one person out of 10,000 will and then it will become this super cool thing. Yeah. Um, but it means that once it's already kind of known, it just, it becomes the most boring thing in the world where if you want to engage with Mephistopheles, like you're just reading a a step-by-step fact, right? You know? So like, it's really, really cool again for that kind of like that first blush and then Mm -hmm. becomes less cool.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, it's also a function of, um, how chatty the NPCs are, or in this case, uh, are not Mm -hmm. Uh, going through and playing Dark Souls one again, again, you know, just we're comparing this across the series. Um, those those NPCs are always telling you something about the world or about some somebody that they saw or a rumor that they heard. Most of the people that you talk to, um, they really just kind of give their life story, and that's about it. There's not, there, you know, they're, they're, there's not an awful lot of like signposting that is done via these interactions, you know. Mm-hmm. And NPC yeah. quest lines, um, because they are so tied up with the uh, the, the tendency system, they're
2: kind of non-existent.
0: Uh, on a uh, on uh, you know on a first blush playthrough,
2: yeah, yeah. NPCs are are very terse in a way that like makes it difficult to kind of follow their lines. Right, I think. Um, you know, and th- there's like other like minor kind of niggles in that as well, where like you run into things like in order to um sage uh sage frake, in order to kind of complete him involves buying him out. Uh huh. You know, Dark Souls One does that as well, but it's not i don't think it's great like as as a reason to or as a way to make set forward a storyline mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like oh just like literally buy everything in his inventory right. um but you I'm, know it, I, I think it's a sloppy spell. intersection <laughs> let's uh, let's get into some souls of grace i'm eager to talk about these things in specifics me too um, so typically, the way we do this, uh, Mitch, will let you go first. We'll let the guests go first, so we don't snake cool. your things, mm-hmm. and then uh, Cole can go second because we're we're going back and forth, uh-huh. and then I will take the third. All right, um, yeah. And we're starting starting off with uh, what is the best area in Demon Souls, Mitch?
3: Ah, uh, well, my favorite area in Demon Souls is Boletaria uh, One One. I mean, everything in context, the the place that this holds in history. Mm-hmm. Where games at this point in time were cakewalks. You know, they were the the COD story of the Call of Duty, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh story of here's the line that you're gonna go across. We want you to see absolutely everything, we want you to engage in everything. And Demon Souls is a completely different way of telling a story where it's like, we're gonna hide everything behind a level of difficulty and complication, and you have to want to investigate. And Bulletaria brings you from one world of where everything is hand-fed to you and everything's easy to the the what we consider Dark Souls now, and it only has one level to do it. I mean, if you think about, like, how, what the bounce rate of this game must have been in context, uh, it must have been enormous. It must have been huge, where people <laughs> played this first level and they're like, ah, oh, this shit. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. you know, the... The way that Bulletaria One one introduces you to the difficulty um, so seamlessly without being too unforgiving is just it cannot be understated. I mean, if you think about how, what each situation in the in the critical path of that level tells you, mm-hmm. easy enemies are easy, but they can gang up on you. Right. right, you go through that first area and you can fight one dude, and you're like, it's no problem. But then you have people hiding, you get <laughs> two, three, and they can kill you right away. You go on and you sort of ramp up the difficulty slowly until you have this choice of fighting a blue knight or a red <laughs> knight. And you look at the red knight and you're like, uh, he's red, but everything else seems to suck. And you go find him, he kills you in one shot. <laughs> and if your tendency is too low, there are two black phantoms that uh spot. Spawn right next to them, and so you can get mm-hmm. really easily ganked. Right. Um, so, like, it tells you, it tells you that there are difficult areas that you can't explore yet, and so then you get a little bit further, and you see some of the dregs with fire swords, and you see barrels, and you can automatically start to put two and two that if that sword touches the barrel, you're gonna get blown up, and <laughs> and it signals all of the things that you need to know in this sort of slow drip. So that you're not overwhelmed by anything and you're not you're not coming to it too quickly to where it's too hard, too much, too quickly. Um, and especially the considerations that they they made with shortcuts mm-hmm. shows you that it was designed for new players, too, because nowhere else are there that many shortcuts back to the first spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all finishes <laughs> with slowly being introduced to the slimes knowing how they react and then getting introduced to Phalanx and knowing how she reacts with the slimes. I mean, like, it slowly builds up exactly what you need to encounter in such a masterpiece level way that uh, there's no other level in my mind that really holds a candle to it. It's remarkable, you
0: know, that, that everything does end up back near the beginning. Um, to give you the easiest boss run in the game for the first boss that you're absolutely positively going to have to fight that the entire, the entire circuit of the level was to get you around to open up that door. I think that is just such a, such a wonderful mechanic, um, that they, that they built into this.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to, like, pl- kind of plus, plus one one thing that, that you said, Mitch, is not only do they are they telling you that there are areas you're not going to be able to tackle yet uh, through difficulty walls, there's also that entire execution zone mm-hmm. down to the left where they have items there. They're doing that thing where we're going to show items, but you can't get them yet um, to signal that you're going to come back here. They do that with the dragons. Um, the dragons is the first set piece kind of obstacle thing you're going to fight, so they're introducing that. Um, and on your way to fight uh, the phalanx... Um, you can tell that you took my answer because I had you said everything I was gonna say in the, oh, and that,
0: the you, you, you took my answer as well. So yeah. <laughs> Got <him>. but,
2: but <laughs> <laughs> executed. Um, but not only on the way to you where you're fighting the, the phalanx, you run into those blobs, but you also start running into fire items mm-hmm. um there. So you're there the game is subtly telling you like, Hey, give this a shot. There's nothing like, you know, there's no set piece where like one of the blobs shows up and then, you know, a fire barrel falls on it and then it, you know, it it, it dies. But you do have a little bit of that uh, that sense of like, oh, maybe I should try this. Maybe this is not arbitrary. Um, and that's something that the game, the series would do, you know, things like, you know, finding the spider shield in the depths on your way, you know, your way down, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that. Like, I'm, oh, there's so I'm getting some poison uh, gear here. Maybe I'm going to head to somewhere poison-y
3: mm-hmm.
2: right. next. Um, and I mean that begins
3: here too. Just to piggyback on something else I said before, where also ludically this this area tells such a great story too, because if you think about what the nexus means in the whole ecology of Demon Souls, where it's this collection of death or this collection of dead people who have to go out and do the the Maiden in Black's bidding. This is where everybody starts because this is where you get your trial run before you can talk to the monumental before you can go to everywhere else. And so you see those husks of soldiers who have been dealing with, you know, new people's shit for so long. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. they're they're eroded. The the barricades are eroded. Everything is eroded. You know, there's piles of dead people like the it packs so much into such a little space uh, that is just—I mean, it can't be overstated. I think. Right.
2: Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It would—I it, mean, it's it's telling that it was all three of our favorites. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we, we're all going to say that. It's, sorry. Uh, no, 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 it no, just, no. It's quite all right. It's just I'm yeah. just saying it's it's that good. You know, it is it is absolutely that good. Cole, what's your runner-up? Uh, my
0: runner-up is actually five-one. Mm. Um, I like five one an awful lot <laughs> um I don't remember liking it as much on my first couple of go- go- goes through i suppose um mm-hmm. but yeah, i think that um i think that it is you know again the area that begins to support that thesis of you are the invading, you know, you are the invader here but you are not invading uh, uh you know an area that is uh military fortified like um you know, like Boletaria is, and you're not invading an area that is just like, oh, the, the, uh, like industrial, like 2-1. Um, this specifically has some of the hallmarks of life built into it that you just don't see in a lot of other places outside of like maybe 5-2, you know, the, 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 the tail end section of that. Mm. And so I think it is, you know, mm. one of the densest areas visually in terms of, you know, telling you about what life is like. Here in this um and in terms of the play um the fact that you are kind of navigating these very narrow treacherous walkways um and kind of dealing with these large these large assemblies of these kind of tougher enemies these uh you know people who are basically turning into uh you know plague doctors <laughs> almost um you know uh, ultimately leading up to the gigantic ones who will just really really mess with you I don't know like I think that um five one is this is it's kind of a grower and not a shower. And I'm sorry for using that terrible, terrible <laughs> analogy. Um, <laughs> but like it is, it you know, it is, it is a very subtle uh, kind of indication of like some of the values uh, that demon souls brings specifically to the soul series that I haven't seen replicated in a lot of other places.
2: Yeah. Five one is really good. Yeah. Like it is uh, unapologetically complicated mm-hmm. uh, in itself. And it's something where like kind of the visual morass um is makes sense kind of from a gameplay perspective. Like it's to a purpose. Yes. You
0: Um, know, something, something a little bit ridiculous. I never realized uh, the shortcut structure for this, which was uh, figuring out the proper places to drop off. Like the fact Mm. that from that opening area, you can make a drop and then get yourself almost all the way down (laughs) to the very bottom of the level, um, Uh you know, that is hidden in that visual complication and clutter. Um, You know, the fact that, that, that I'm still discovering stuff about this. Uh, is oh. kind of speaks volume for the way that it's put together.
3: And one of the things that I think is really interesting about it is it's the only place in the entire Soul series where I can think of a merchant being posted at a specific place specifically to sell you something. Uh huh. You know, right? Like, no. she has she has plague things, and you're like, I haven't encountered plague before, and you get down <laughs> there's rats, and they're definitely gonna infect you, <laughs> and that's the only place if you're careful that you're gonna be infected, and right. it's like, oh. Of course you set up shop there as a merchant. Yeah. <laughs> no other game thinks about that kind of stuff to the level that they did in this game yeah
0: and and that and that character that merchant is really great uh the con yeah. that she's running um you know it's sad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know like like everything about the, bio, the valley of defilement is tragic but uh the, the the way that that articulates when you see her again and just her utter antipathy toward this amazing person <laughs> Mm-hmm. um is uh i don't know it's it's it, it, it all feeds into it all feeds into what
3: i love about this game won't you buy some more i got my kids to put through college
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got ki- i got five kids to feed <laughs> um yeah it is uh it's really good yeah it, it is a great area um i'm going to say and you know surprising to no one um probably uh say three one yeah um because mm-hmm. that's you know, the, the other obvious choice like three one is very very good indeed mm-hmm. um i love four two. Uh, that was that's the that's my fourth. That was my safety safety in case <laughs> one of you guys picked two. But um, Latria is uh, it's it's actually something that I think um, Latria one never gets as good as it is the first time you go to it. Mm-hmm. Like if oh, I'm making sure. on subsequent runs like it kind of becomes a pain in the dick.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, That that's you what know? actually kept it out of my
2: running for this. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't revisit real well. No, the first time I was there, it was so hostile and huge and and complicated and uh it has so much in the way, you know, hearing Rydell, hearing the uh the shopkeeper, going down and finding the gigantic uh arrow shooting, you know, <laughs> siege engine. Um, the guy uh the the MPC you have to kill for the fool's idol, mm-hmm. who's like, I'm not doing anything. You're like <laughs> it is so full of like flavor and so harsh. Like it it this level more than any other level in that game, excepting perhaps five two, mm-hmm. um took me to so many tries where I was like, you know, kept getting, I was like, where do I even go Um, here? You know, what is the critical path
0: Yeah, Um, here? There's no sense of direction to it, um, yeah. which works in its favor on that first go through. But for me, who has a lot, I have a lot of trouble uh, navigating some of these places. Uh, Yes, it is a pain in the dick because of that.
3: Yeah. When you go back <laughs> to the sound design of not having music and you hear the <laughs> bells of the mind flares, Oh my God, <laughs> the just mind flayers too. It just evokes such this this fear in you because you can't see where they are, but you can hear them. So, you know, they're around and they could be in the floor below you. But it just all of a sudden you start slowly walking and out of nowhere, some drag from a prison just pushes you off. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, it has it has that. um, So it also has the peaceful uh Dregs uh-huh. where uh, it's up to you If you open their cage so you can get the treasure Inside but if you do every time you die and you come Back they're going to grab at the hem of your your You know your <laughs> yep. outfit and That can stop you long enough for a mind flayer To get you yep. one of the prison keepers like it, it Has a really good dungeon ecology
0: Yeah to um, it
2: in, in a way that's like Really interesting to me
0: to to, to that point the, uh, the the ones that are in the iron maidens um, <laughs> The fact that those Are the most hostile ones they're the bad boys Right oh you're being in there you're being punished For a reason Because I opened this up to get the treasure and boom, out comes a guy with a poison knife
2: yeah exactly you get you get tortured in a new way before we turn you into a like a weird man grub uh when you have gargoyles you know, angels come down in the church and carry you into the experimentation layer of like the endless swamp and towers it's a man uh, presided over by sky. a big cancerous heart yeah you know uh, the only
3: the only place where those gargoyles make sense
2: yeah 100 <laughs> like they're the best you know they're narrative gargoyles um you know back to speculation videos about the ring city where people were saying like, this looks just like one of those gargoyles. Finally, we're going to get a, a lure, <laughs> you know, answer as to what those things are. And, uh, nope, um, didn't, did not happen. Um, but the, uh, uh, it just, it does so many things, right. So mm-hmm. it, it makes it paper over when I go back and I'm just kind of like, ah, you know, which key do I have? Which floor am I on? Which side am I on? Like it gets kind of annoying the first time though, it was very formative yeah. and it did something that not even, you know, nothing in dark souls one had done. Right uh, for me so that is why that is my favorite area probably <laughs> my second favorite area so still would be one one but yeah that's uh yeah what uh mitch what's your least favorite area
3: uh so a little caveat the way that i chose my least favorite anything was not necessarily on what was my least favorite to play but more what i felt didn't do successfully what it tried to do
4: Okay,
1: if that mm-hmm. makes
3: sense like, I, I feel like, especially since it was the first in the series, I give it a little bit of grace for trying new things and not doing so well, as opposed to trying something and not doing what it was trying to do. Um, so for my worst area, I said 5-1. Because, huh. um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, like you said, you can't say enough about the ecology of the place. The atmosphere is just so sad and pitiful, and it's leading down to the Valley of Defilement. Mm-hmm. And everything is is getting worse as you go down um and the inhabitants are just hanging out listlessly until you actually invade and you know destroy their home. Mm-hmm. Good for you um but the thing about it that I don't like so much is the this is something that we haven't really talked about. There's a real verticality happening in demon souls that doesn't happen at any time else mm-hmm. And the reason is probably because of this in 5.2 where you had these vertical enemies that you would lock onto automatically on accident yeah. and they would make you fall off, right? So that first, uh, that first shortcut that you're talking about where you push down the bridge, there's an enemy right in front of you once you push down that bridge, but there's an enemy on the bridge next to you mm-hmm. that you're going to lock onto because you're closer and because of that, you're going to accidentally walk off the edge, Mm. And that's not that's not like a planned incident, right? That's yeah. something that is the cross section of mechanics that need to be worked out and ideas that are fully fleshed out, but need to be worked out within those mechanics, right? And so I feel like while five one I think is one of the stronger ideas, I think five one fails on the merits of handling the mechanics well.
2: Yeah, mm. yeah I could see that. Yeah, I think I think that specific mechanic it does does handle pretty poorly. Yeah, right. Like you're you're much more likely to accidentally have a death that is not your fault. There, there are other mechanical things I think it does really interestingly and and kind of successfully, but I would agree with um, at least on that point. Right, that verticality is not a total success.
0: Yeah, and I, I can't I can't disagree with you on 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 that particular point because my least favorite I'm going to name for a very prefer for a similar reason oh no <laughs> oh, sorry get Gary
2: your gun gets swooped it's gonna get snaked no i call it a bomb threat to Cole's house <laughs> so I can... wait
0: a minute my phone's ringing
2: One second. hey Gary hello,
0: I'm talking this to you. <laughs> hello this is Bomb
2: hello uh, this <laughs> is Bomb
0: hi my name is Bob next time I see you I'm gonna fuck you up
2: <laughs> yeah Hi I'm the She's sheriff of the a bomb <laughs> yeah, the, um, it's all bomb threats, uh, oh, yeah. when we're not on, oh, on a yeah. podcast together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's all bomb. It's, um, we're making the biggest bomb cast. There is some sort of giant <laughs> bomb cast. Yeah. As we,
0: it, it will yeah. be, it'll be notice noticeably, uh, kind of beastly because of yeah. the
2: bloodborne yeah. coverage. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Uh, do you, do you mind if I do mine and just can
2: can confirm mm. the swoopage? No, no, you can you can confirm the swoopage. I'll i I'll come up with something else. It was it was all three of my entries, but oh will come up No, I I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just rubbing it in. So Yeah, yeah. please, please do your and I and Oh yeah. Uh 2 2. Holy yeah. cats,
0: 2 2 is not a is not a fun level, guys. I yeah. like I like its boss an awful lot. Um I love the visual design of our little uh, uh bugbear friends or bear bug friends. Um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I still want a plush of those of uh, someone on Etsy can hook, can hook me up. Um, but yeah, like kind of no part of this works for me um, <laughs> in, in, in hindsight from the, from the mine carts uh, full of the exploding will-o'-wisps uh, to the shortcut that is um, kind of the, their first attempt at doing this uh, massive kind of, you know, you're going to drop from platform to platform and not remember why. Um, mm-hmm. kind of thing, uh, to the sheer cliffside that is full of those tunnelers again with the, uh, the lock on kind of, uh, kind of fucking you up. Um, having the, uh, the, 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 flying little beetle friends, uh, who will just kind of like, again, drag you around, uh, because of the way the radial movement or lateral movement in this game works when you're locked onto something right. down to just, I I can't stand those tunnels guys. I, I, I cannot abide it.
2: The tunnels <laughs> are a real problem. Yeah.
0: Um, like like no part of this outside of the boss feels successful to me. Um yeah, I don't I don't I, I don't care for it one bit.
2: Endless fights against the uh the gigantic mm-hmm. slugs. Yeah. Where they, they can't really move, but also just have a counterattack and take well, almost no damage.
3: Especially <laughs> if you go to that place right after two one, which you probably went to after one two. Right. You don't have anything that's gonna do enough damage to where you're actually hurting
4: those. <laughs> right.
3: I mean you're just gonna be sitting there and and wailing on it for a good five literal five minutes mm-hmm. and then and then it's gonna blow you up yeah
1: yeah um
0: from an ecology standpoint like stone tunnel just for me it feels really one note like oh we, we were digging and we dug real deep until we found something bad okay cool like and i like that you go here just to you know like like one of the primary things you get is weapon upgrade materials however this is something we didn't talk about and it might be it, it would very well serve as a uh as one of our bummers, so hopefully I don't swoop it. Uh but uh, you run so afoul of the uh of the item equip in this just by carrying around a bunch of rocks Yeah. Over, or the, oh, the, the, yeah. the the item burden by carrying rocks around in your in your pockets, you uh, know?
3: I can't believe I even forgot about the fact that you have item burden and as opposed to equip burden. Yep. That's nuts. Yep, I'm both glad they got actually. rid of that.
2: Yep, yeah, yeah both. It sucks. It's yeah. no good. It's, it's, it's the worst of both worlds. I, I forgot about that too. I was gonna mention that in like the vestigial mechanics they ditched Mm -hmm. earlier on, but forgot about it as well. But I'm glad, you know, I'm glad it came up here.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I will say two, two was definitely one that I was looking into. I think that it is pretty unsuccessful because it's, I mean, there's nothing telling those tunnels apart. Right. So you're going to get lost Mm -hmm. for sure. But like, it goes back to what I was saying about doing something unsuccessfully and doing something successful that didn't work out so well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because you go down into those tunnels and you have this interesting mixture of tunnels that you know that they dug and then tunnels that have basically a spine equipped to them. Mm -hmm. So it tells you that it's just a worm that rotted away. Yeah. And so you're going through the body of a worm and then you're going to all of these people who are just going about their business and doing their own things. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, there's a real a real dungeon ecology that I liked that put it just a little bit above five one for me but i can definitely i mean especially going back through it if you die like midway through you're like I have to go yeah there are no
2: there's again. one shortcut and it's pretty long yeah yeah it's available right from the beginning of the level and you don't have to do anything to enable it <laughs> like it's it's just you just walk over the thing so if you're exploring anything to the left when you first leave there like my biggest issue with it is how lopsided it is it mm. feels like it should have been two areas yeah
4: um
2: mm. because it's like if you go to the left you explore forever. We'll definitely get item burdened. There's some cool stuff to find there. Um, But there are areas of that I've never actually even been to. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never mm-hmm. loaded up on fire equipment and gotten the stuff that's in the, the fire lakes. No. You know, There's a lava lake that's down
3: there. It's just fire upgrades. It's not really. I mean, those. it's all just <laughs> yeah. if you want to get a plus five weapon.
2: Dragonstone. Right. You know. And then if you go to the right, you just you do this kind of. Uh, not particularly well executed falling down puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, no. that requires like a, you know more leaps of faith and has more dead ends than any of them that they've done in the series. Yeah,
0: the the, the, um, on, the only reason that I don't think that that is an utter kind of travesty is how forgiving um, fall damage is in Demon Souls compared to the rest. Yeah, of the yeah, yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. And guess um, what? You're gonna do it again because the Fire Lurker is the hardest boss in Demon Souls.
2: <laughs> oh. Yeah, well that that's the thing is you're just gonna keep doing it, and it's very hard to even memorize. Um, what the way you know to fall down is even if the fall damage is not so bad there are still dead ends there like mm-hmm. there are ways you can fall into a thing that you can't really progress from yeah there you know it's like oh like i've I've jumped on the wrong thing so i can i can't fall anymore i can make this kind of crazy jump <laughs> to uh to get there and jumping mechanic in souls games always works great like that's yeah. a, the, the platforming in souls is always a uh, hmm. you know top notch so like chef fingers it just yeah, it just does not work for me. Um, even though the boss is is a favorite, like it's not my absolute favorite, but it is a favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are those are the two. You know, those are areas that I think are unsuccessful. Two two definitely. So this is I'm gonna say my least favorite, but only for the sake of not, you know, repeating ourselves. Like, um, and say one two.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, and the reason that was my why backup, is actually so. I think one two is a cool idea, um, and it's not executed poorly. It's just so one note. Mm-hmm. Um as to be uh and if you want to it highlights uh dragon killing. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you want to explore it, you have you have to kill the dragon. Killing dragons is something they didn't get right until Calamite. Um it is a huge pain in the ass to fight, you know, that dragon. These ones specifically, where it just takes forever, you're just gonna buy nine 9- nine hundred and ninety nine arrows right. and shoot them. Um the kind of dash through mechanic is cool uh on your way there, but it just it's two one note. So it's yeah. it's way too short. It's it's kind of like um the same way two two is too long. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of this level should have been in I don't know, because all of the Boleteria levels other than this are, are the right length. So I don't right. know where this should have been. But when well, if you're uh, talking
3: about if you're talking about coming to this game first, I think this was the most memorable area because that section where you at the very end right before the tower night, where you encounter three crossbowmen. With two crossbowmen in the in the uh in the castle and then a blue eye blue eye night guy and you can't back <laughs> up because mm-hmm. the dragon's coming. Like if you don't if you don't have your soul's literacy down pat, you're gonna die. Yep. And there's yeah, that's the end. And so you have to do it over and over. And I remember grinding on that area for hours and hours because, you know, I just could not do it. I mean, now it wasn't it wasn't as difficult. I mean, it wasn't difficult at all because I understand how to play it, but when you're first coming into it, there's not a lot getting you ready for that moment where you have to deal with so much so quickly, and it it just sort of demands it of you. It's a real sort of skill check. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And there, there are no the fact that it's too short to have another kind of shortcut, you know, mm-hmm. other than that. So it is a skill check, but the skill it's it's checking there is uh, two things that you know I, I the, they're at least mixed bags. Like even if I end up. You know, valuing them, which one would be slowly plinking off those characters through range combat, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. You know, like if, that, if that's why you do the other one is just running past them, um, which kind of sets up like a precedent. Like I like running past something when I'm on the way to the boss. I don't like doing it my first time through something. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'd rather like kind of engage with the the encounter. This one, it kind of subverts what you're talking about with the Castlevania oneness of this, where the best way to fight those guys is from behind and the trick is really just like not getting caught as you roll around to get behind them before the flames come. Yeah. You know, so the, I mean, there's something kind of cool to that. But it's a little too little too late after a lot of pretty samey going through those dark tunnels, fighting pretty samey dogs. Yeah. Clearing kind yeah, of dark sure. guard tower after guard tower. Like it just doesn't do enough special to me. And it, it is really, really kind of lacks a lot in comparison to one one, which is we, we really love and one three, which I like absolutely adore. Yeah. Right. One three is it was in, you know, is definitely in my top like five. Like I love that feeling of kind of creeping around a castle <laughs> uh, that one three gives. Yeah. So I have to say one, two, right. but it's still like, I still like one, two. It's just not, you know, my, my two, two got snaked <laughs> for sure.
3: Yeah. Um, who's your favorite boss, Mitch? Uh, okay. So my favorite boss is the tower knight. Mm. Um, one thing that I think that Demon Souls does a lot better than any other born game, in my opinion, it is encounter design. And I think the Tower Knight sort of shows the best of the encounter design. So for starters, you go into the arena and you see this impossibly large enemy that you've, you haven't more than likely seen an enemy that large yet. And so you go in, and the cutscene tells you, okay, there's archers posted up on the walls, there's this big guy there, and so immediately you either fight the big guy and get defeated by the archers, or you run up and fight the archers. And you start to go into this mix of level design and boss design. Um, And so you take care of the archers up top, and the tower knight's throwing spears at you from below, and one thing that I really observed from this sort of moment is the multitude of ways that I could, A, take on the Tower Knight and the multitude of ways that the Tower Knight could uh, harry me based on his size, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas where I think Demon Souls really succeeds as opposed to the other Soulsborne games is the way they deal with scale, right? So on the top of that ledge, as opposed to Bloodborne where you're fighting the One Reborn, and the thing's just attacking you with the top part of it. This guy is using magic. He's using a different skill set that you have to encounter differently. So he's handling you different based on where you are in the in the actual level. And then you go down below, and he's got a different skill set. So the way that you try to handle him, he tries to handle you in a different way. And it's sort of this back and forth that you don't get with a lot of bosses, especially the big bosses. Uh, the big, the way that they handle scale in this is, mm-hmm. is, as I said, is great because it's this double-edged sword for him, right? So he's huge, so he can cover a lot of area and he can hit you for a lot of damage. But if you get him to a point where his size isn't working to his advantage, then it's absolutely working against him. Mm-hmm. And then you put that up as a foil to all the other bosses and all of the other Soulsborne games and it's like you're fighting the ceaseless discharge which is just as fast as any other boss there mm-hmm. the one reborn which is just as fast as any of the other ones there the ancient dragon which you guys know what that's like the curse <laughs> right, of greatwood right. i mean like they as they get further they don't treat scale as as this double edged sword they treat scale as it can hit you from further away and like it's, it's just, just a bigger advantage. thing going just as fast whereas this sort of highlights scale as uh as an enhancement to his verb set and not an enhancement to his specific abilities that would be as if he was smaller.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Like I like this boss quite a bit mm-hmm. um, for that. And, and it's also, I mean, just like throwing in, you know, a little bit of narrative theming when the a fat official comes out and does that chuckle <laughs> and sets the archers on you is a great moment.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. just
2: like, that is such a good fuck you, and it actually works like, you know, I know I was kind of talking talking negative about 1-2, but it works in favor of that level because it's it's such a, you know, it's kind of a pain to get through that level, um, and to have somebody kind of kick you while you're like that, it's kind of, there's an element of impish assholeness that I do appreciate with oh. that because the Tower knight is not so difficult, you know, that it's impossible, but just kind of this thing that would be kind of a, a fairly one-note boss fight if it didn't have these archers, and then the game like literally kind of laughing at you a little bit there. Mm-hmm with the eminently punchable, badish, bad official, like okay. really, really works. And the payoff for that
3: one three is just oh, it's, incredible. It, it
2: just wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Like,
3: yeah. The penetrator that's the living up to his name.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like getting, getting penetrated. Like that's a great boss fight. And yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a really great moment. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Um. So for me, um, I was about to make a spirited uh case for old King Allent. um, but mm. I have to follow my heart here. Um, so sorry for giving a runner up there. I have to say storm King, like it's so not a soul's fight, Um, (laughs) but it just kind of, I don't know. It, you said it before, like it's so epic, right? Um, you know, like it's, 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 it's a gimmick fight. It is a little bit of a puzzle, but just the, in the, like the entire, the entire feel of it, of bringing down something that, that is blotting down the, that is blotting out the sky. It. It speaks to me, you know, even going back to it of a developer that was just like, hey, what if we did this kind of balls crazy thing and then they never did it again? Probably uh, for the better, right? Because they because they hit it. They nailed it. <laughs> um, so, yes, you know, you are not engaging with regular Souls combat while you are doing this. But it kind of takes um, something that I love about Souls, which is presenting you with a seemingly impossible situation and... You know, having you work to get through it, um, you know, and then coming out the other side empowered and then puts it on the largest scale possible. Um, it speaks of inventiveness and it speaks of just, um, you know, novelty that hadn't run out yet. So, yeah, Storm King. Like when I think of Demon Souls, that's what I think of.
2: How cool is it that there is the the Stormbringer, like, it, you know, in a stone on this, like, you know, rocky cliffside? Mm-hmm. That you can go find this sword and literally just like use it to rend the skies, yep <laughs> like that, like that's not very soul- soulsy in general either, but it kind of suggests worlds around it mm-hmm. without explicitly explaining them, yep uh in a way that I really really love, yeah, and um, the power
3: that you get from using that like yeah, you make that that sort of harried run to get down to the sword, you pull a sword out of the stone, and you know, in my mind, you expect it to work just like any other sword and you're like Oh, now it's on.
4: <laughs> yep.
3: Yeah. Um, these
0: things that have been harassing me throughout this entire level, like maybe if they were close to me, I could plink them with an arrow.
2: Um, but no, I'm just like, I swing my sword and they fall from the sky. <laughs> yeah. In in mass, like many of them came fall yeah. at once. Um, yeah. Really, really awesome. And it's part of the reason, I mean, again, when people, you know, who are frustrated by how much I dislike Yorm. and, mm-hmm. um, it's such a different approach to that fucking like singularly (laughs) magic sword. Yep. You know, like how holy is this? Like it is, is just like one of the best moments in this game, Mm -hmm. you know, coming across this thing. And then just to like, Oh no, there's actually two of them. And they're in this other game as well. And they actually fight giants, not, you know, things in the sky and it's totally different, whatever.
3: Yeah. You know, it it, is just,
2: it's such a a respectful
3: treatment. Yeah. That fight both shits on Yorm and the storm ruler at the same, or uh, not Yorm, um, SIG, sigmire and the storm yeah. at the same mm-hmm. time it's like it, you're double duty <laughs> yeah
2: it's almost impressive yeah how bad of a moment that is like it's such Best a bad moment game. yeah it is how much work you're doing with so little yeah it's
0: it's, you know? it's impressive in the way that you look a little you look at a little kid and say like i i didn't know somebody could get shit that far up their own back yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah exactly like i'm not I'm even mad yeah. yeah i can't even be mad at you billy like um yeah, Storm King is incredible. Like he's on my short list for yeah. sure. Yeah.
3: Um, it really feels really like it really feels like not mechanically specifically, but feeling wise like Shadow of the Colossus, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um even down to the music too. Like the music helps with that too, which like we'll 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 find a place to to tie in some music chat. Oh
4: yeah.
2: Um somewhere in here because I, I forgot that in the main part, but um the Demon Soul soundtrack is very special to me. Yes. Um and I'm gonna on mine I'm gonna cheat the same way Cole did. <laughs> um, and do do a just a tight, you know, like let's do a tight two on Old King a lot because he's not my favorite, but I think Old King a lot needs to be recognized as creating the template for the dual fight. Yeah, that yeah.
4: This,
2: the you know the series is going to do like this is why there's Artorias, this is why like even Nameless King, like this is why there are those fights that everyone loves that are just kind of mono and mono is because of Old King a lot. Yes, yeah. Um, so that needs to be recognized. Like I like that it, it's the only one in this game, really. Yep. Right. Like it's it's you know there aren't a lot more of these, but I think that. You know, that it's really cool that you can trace the roots to something that became such a big part of the series. The only
0: only fight in this game that is really similar to that would be Penetrator. But that has its own mitigating
2: Mm. circumstances to it. Yeah. Um, For my favorite, I'm going to say Old Monk, um, which varies wildly in its experience. um, So it's a little bit tricky like that, but it's such a clever uh, intersection of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, PvP or kind of meta mechanics Um, With an actual boss fight. Um, It's also thematically exactly my thing. (laughs) Um, The idea that it is not actually, you know, oh, it's actually the cloak. Like it's actually Mm -hmm. the cloth. That's the boss. Yeah. Not this this king like that is too cool for words for me. Yep. Um, and then the arena with all the chairs stacked up, like just kind of chaotically, that speaks to me on a very fundamental level. Um, getting summoned as the old monk is so fucking fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only happened to me once or twice. Um, I might be confusing a mere mere squire experience. So it's, it's definitely happened to me once. It's either once or twice. And it's very, very cool when it happens.
3: Well, that was uh, actually the first time that I encountered that boss battle. I didn't fight it before I became the old monk. Oh, like God, I was that's, going in—that's
2: awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I was
3: going in to try and help with the next boss because, you know, one thing that I'd learned from the Man Eater is that it's a good idea to see what you're going into before you're going into it. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So I put down my summoning sign and got summoned as the old king and was just taken back by it. Like, what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I definitely got killed that first time but it was it was like going into that kind of stuff cold like man you just can't say enough about the innovation that they did with this game
2: mm-hmm. it's uh it's really really clever and it, it's it's not 100 percent a success because sometimes you get the npc version which ends up being a little bit like thematically cool but a little bit uh you know less less than as a fight um sometimes you get some kind of somebody who is like ultimately spec'd for PvP. Yeah. yeah. And it can be a real like roadblock. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, this person has been engaging with the system the entire game and I have not at all. And it feels a little bit unfair. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. but when it hits the right balance, you fight somebody who's roughly as good as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or maybe a smidge better. Um, it can be, you know, really, really transcendent. Um, so it has the the ability to be, you know, mechanically the strongest fight in the game. Um and also, again, those those thematic reasons, and just how clever it is. Yeah, like I really respect how like innovative and cool it is. Like you were, you were saying, Mitch. So that yeah. is why I... <laughs> uh, Old Monk is my number one.
3: Yeah, Old Monk uh, was my runner-up. Yeah, yeah mine too. He's really good. good. Also, Miyazaki's favorite, so hmm. means something. Yeah.
2: Yeah. As well, he should be.
3: <clears throat> hey, Mitch, what's your who's least a... favorite boss?
2: Yeah, who, who sucks? Ah. <laughs> who's or who's <laughs> unsuccessful?
3: Well, they're all my children, and they're all my favorites. Uh, no, the false idol, I think. Oh, uh, interesting. I really, I really like the idea. You know, I think it does a lot of interesting things. Um, there's a couple things that it does really well, is the dregs worshipping the true false idol, sort of figuring out that that's how you can tell which one you should attack, and the dregs falling over the, the traps, um, knowing that you should keep those guys alive. But I feel like if you don't have that, if you go into the fight blind, you're going to kill all the dregs before you get up there. And then you're going to have the traps on the floor and you don't know where they are. And it's not telegraphed well. So you kind of have to guess if this is a trap that I'm r- walking over. And if you walk over a trap, you're probably going to die. Um, and then if you go in there the first time and you didn't explore the right side of the where, where the NPC is, then he resurrects her. And I mean, while all of these things, while it's cool, it's a cool kind of gimmick, and it's a cool kind of uh, trap system, and the, the story behind the boss is really cool, if you're coming into it blind, it's hard to figure out what you're supposed to do. And I don't feel like it's telegraphed especially well, and I feel like it has too high of a penalty for failure. Um, so that's really my biggest reason. And if you actually do get up to her, she's really easy to kill. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like pinwheel, pinwheel level.
2: Yeah, it, it's kind of a, to me, I, I like this boss. I think it's more of a successful version kind of of pinwheel, but I don't think you're wrong about those things. I just, I think the fact that it's so easy ameliorates some of those, those issues, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, uh, and it could just be when I ended, happened to be here, like when I happened to go here, because it was getting paralyzed was never a death sentence uh, for me in this fight. Like I always had enough uh, to kind of run around and and heal back up.
4: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. um, I can see that being frustrated and it doesn't really signal that she's being, you know, it's, it's very sloppy. Like when you kill her without with the resurrection uh, thing active, like it just kind of tells you, mm-hmm. you know, there's something else yeah. to do you know that you kind of have to you know kind of find it so it's a little bit sloppy i think i appreciate it, though because it's weird yeah. and it kind of over yeah, overrides sure. that a little bit for me yeah like
3: um, i think but I definitely see your point. she's pretty cool too mm-hmm.
2: oh she's great like she's it's a really cool idea um and the music's really great yeah uh on, on her as well um just really you know subtle and, and kind of light touch yeah it's a it's a standout
0: track for like what demon souls does that most other entries in the series don't you yeah. know don't do. They abandoned yeah. that subtlety so quickly.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, um,
0: who's, who's your least favorite Cole, uh, man eaters. I hate this. Oh. Fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. I said that in the, uh, in the top 10 worst boss fights. Uh, and I'll, I'll stick to that. Uh, I don't like the man eaters one bit, uh, for similar reasons, um, due to, uh, like, like with, uh, with the lock on and falling off, um, man eaters probably holds the distinction in the series for being up there, in terms of the number of times I've died where it really definitely doesn't feel like it was my fault. Mm. Um, some of mm. the systems uh, and the feel were just not there to where you would uh, have this fight with something that can just fly around and knock you off of uh, the, this precarious kind of ledge. I think that you know the ideas are there and fine. I like their visual uh, presentation um, on it. I like that you can cut off their tails and, you know, remove some of their abilities. Um, but just, uh, the way that it executes, no matter what kind of build I've brought to it. Um, and no matter when I've, when I've come to it, uh, it has felt like an unreasonable wall,
2: uh, compared to other stuff. Yeah. Man eaters. no, No good. It, it also has the, uh, unpleasant distinction of being obviated by a boss that comes later. Mm-hmm. So if you look like you look at something like fool's idol, um, you know, I think that Fool's Idol is a more interesting and probably better boss than Pinwheel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you look at Tower Knight, and Tower Knight is definitely a better boss than One Reborn. Yes. Um, Belfry Gargoyles yeah. are better than Man Eater, though. Mm-hmm. Like oh, sure. it's it's a really similar idea, but it's just executed much better. Yeah. So it's something they actually evolved and and got better rather than just kind of rehashed or uh, actually made worse.
3: Right. You know. Yeah, I think Man Eater a big problem with that is that it's in a in a series that's notable for its lack of rng and lack of randomness it's one of those things where you're really at the whim of randomness like if they fly up in the air what are you going to do you can't yep. do anything yeah <laughs> <And> <laughs> if they'll just
2: if, do it if, if you're not spec for sorcery well fuck you and like i love that this game has flying enemies right like that's something they literally just gave up mm-hmm. uh yeah. because they they cause all these problems and i like that about this but this boss is that boss is definitely one too many things going on like yeah. him being joined halfway, the shaky footing, the flying, like every time, like I have gotten to the point where I can pretty consistently kill man eater, but it's always kind of just cheesing around the fountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and I mean, and that's, that's, the that's the not that fun.
3: What was What was that? That's, that's the way you have to do it. Um, yeah. I will say one saving grace, the man eater, I think the track is especially standout. It feels mm-hmm. like those old sort of claymation, uh, movies with like jason and the argonauts yeah clash of the titans you know, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah where the where the song is it feels like old movie-ish hmm. um it feels like you're fighting in an old timing. i there's no other way i can explain it but <laughs> definitely worth listening. yeah
2: yeah i can i i definitely see that i i'm gonna make us talk about the soundtrack after we get through worse bosses yeah <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah actually i can save that for my great things too yeah yeah um yeah that makes sense it, it can fit there um, I'm going to give a uh, worse boss to Leechmonger. That was my runner-up. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, Everybody's runner-up. Y-
2: if, if, uh, if you thought that the, the Dirty Colossus has too many ideas, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's time for the Leechmonger to start monging it up. Um, there's just nothing to this boss, and I, you can see them struggling with uh, that area, because for Maiden Astrea, which like, got shunted into my moments uh, section as opposed to bosses, because right. you know I, I love Maiden Astrea, um but that area can't have personalities to it really. No, no. For that to work. Like it kind of has to be this, you know, desolate area with one person who is questionably doing good. It would be weird to have Maiden Estrella's like lieutenants or to have like, you know, the king, you know, the evil king of the swamp still be in power or something.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, which is the closest I think we ever came to thinking what these things could even be. Um but that's not very interesting. So right. They just had to, like, for the first time in this game, they had to just make monsters. Yeah. Uh, and Leechmonger and Dirty Colossus just seem to be monsters. And Dirty Colossus at least has that idea where he sends flies out at you. Mm-hmm. Leechmonger, you can literally kill without him getting a hit if you have a ranged weapon. And uh, even if you don't, you just stand next to him and hit him. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, there's nothing to it. Um, and I never hate something because it's too easy, but I can hate something because it's too boring. Yeah, it's brain dead. Yeah, it is. It is a brain dead boss fight which has very bad theming, and like almost no lore to it,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, or, or kind of interesting backstory to it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Leechmonger I think sucks pretty bad.
0: Yeah, Leechmonger is what if there is a spirally r- arena? Oh wait, yeah. we did that with Adjudicator. Well, fuck.
2: <laughs> I think the I think the idea too is that Leechmonger regenerates. Yeah. Um. But doesn't regenerate fast enough to be a problem. mm Hmm. So it could just be like a numbers thing, but even if if it is, like regenerating health is not that interesting to me. You know, it, it could be if it was like, oh, like, you know, it does these kind of AOEs, you had to get away, and the cost for that is that it's more likely to heal up, so you spend more time. Like mm-hmm. it just doesn't present interesting choices. No.
3: I guess for know? me with the Leechmonger and Dirty Colossus, especially, like and this might be a headcanon type thing. But I feel like the real, no enemy in the Valley of Defilement gives you very many souls. No enemy is very hard Mm -hmm. on its own terms. I mean, even the giant depraved ones, if you're on stable footing, you can take them down pretty easily. They have huge wind-up, they're really slow. Um, But you're always in the Valley of Defilement, this pit that you have nothing to mitigate with. You know, you don't have an iron rust ring, and so you're dealing with these giant depraved ones. Mm -hmm the same way that everybody else is dealing with the Valley of Defilement. And it really feels like the thesis of that whole place is the real boss is the level itself, Mm -hmm. right? There's no harder encounter than dealing with the poison in the movement tax that you take and the people who propagate within the Valley of Defilement. I mean, there's that one item that you go out and get, and it's clearly a trap because there's a Black Phantom sitting on top of it that's going to get you. Um, you know, so it's like everybody, everybody is sort of dealing with the same sort of shitty place that you're dealing with. And so the bosses aren't that tough just because they're so weak from taking on the valley itself. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. which makes it a really interesting boss. And I mean, that could be completely my interpretation and not the, the designers are like, I I never intended for that. Um, but that's, that's kind of the way that I see it and the way that I don't put Dirty Colossus and Leechmonger is my 1A and B. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You have to bring a lot of your own kind of uh, guessing, you know, or or kind of like theorizing to make him have a place in the world, really. You know, so I think that's a cool headcanon. Um, It's also like, you know, there's there's just not anything that there's like one piece only his soul refers to him, you know, so you end up having to spend kind of a lot to get there. Which I'm not, I'm not saying that as a criticism. It just is mm-hmm. part of why he ends up being kind of narratively unsatisfying for me. Yeah, for you know, sure. You have to round, round up pretty far to get there. And then at the end of the day, it still ends up not being a very good fight. So <laughs> like, even if you can square the circle with him thematically, he still ends up not being super fun. Even if the idea is he's easy on purpose, you know, it's still like, well, right. you know, I still just had to go in, and hit a blob. You know, what do we, it's really bad visual design to mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Like I'm a pile of crap. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. What a, yeah. I can what see
3: we... it. I can see it now. Twitter being ablaze. Gary hates it because it's easy.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm confused. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you see, you seem to think that you spent nine uh, months talking to. The...
0: Yeah, uh, sorry. Sorry um, to give it to so, hypothetical person. I'm sorry to give you the idiot voice.
2: The, um, the, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, a that, that, that's a that's a uh, arrow in my quiver. I don't like to dispatch very often. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what uh what are three uh three great things about this game mitch and this can be um kind of mechanics this can be moments uh this can be songs this can be um things from previous categories this can be pretty much anything but what are three awesome kind of ineffables uh not covered so far in uh, demon souls
3: sure so my first uh souls thing is the mystery i think it has mystery more than any other souls game even the ones that don't fill in all the all the answers, it just it has this air of mystery because you're going into it, you have no idea what's going on, and you go into a new area, and all of a sudden you have so much input to take in, right? Because every area is distinct from one another. Every area is different. They have their own dungeon ecology. Uh, they don't even. I mean, there's a lot of there. You can argue there's a lot of sameness within specific archstones, but like you go to and that's way different than 1-1, and that's way different than 2-1, and way different, like, there's a different thesis to all of them. You go in, there's no exposition, no NPC that's holding your hand. Uh, All you have is that new world and looking at how everything operates within it. Um, But you just, you keep moving forward because it is so interesting. And you know that there is enough to go on that you can flesh out this world thesis. In many ways, it's kind of like a proto Dark Souls 2 where there are these spokes and each of them is a different story about what happens when a demon soul sort of takes hold within that area. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, put that on top of the fact that the world changes without you. We talked about Yurt before being the the Nexus cat just bringing dead people to you and being like, here, here you go. This is for you. Um, And you had to sort of figure out what that was without anybody else. I mean, even now, if you go on and you look at the uh YouTube videos and you look at the wiki, you can see if you go to any of the other games, there's Vadi Vidya, there's Lobos, you know, killing the game with a ladle, there's mm-hmm. everything under the sun. But this last run that I went through I wanted to make a Moonlight Greatsword build and I couldn't find it. And I, the only video that showed me where it was in a succinct manner was literally this guy who videotaped his CRT TV. <laughs> there's this real, there's even today, there's this real feeling of um, sort of talking at the playground to sort of get your information for Demon Souls. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well said. Yeah, like I, I agree.
3: Um for the next win, I have the dungeon ecology. Um, you know, being being a D and D nerd, I love when a D- DM takes into account what monsters he's putting into the dungeon and why they're there. And so you have the inhabitants of all of these places, and they make sense, and they have this internal logic. You know, in Bulleteria and Shrine of Storms, you have these enemies who are posted up behind barricades because there's a reason. Mm-hmm. You know. One one, we talked about where it's player characters going in. Four one, we didn't talk about it this time, but I know it was said on your podcast before. You know, there's this question of, well, this seems to be a place where the church has been going in. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason why these people are posted up and guarding this area to stop people like, uh, like what's the church guy, Urbane, Saint Urbane, coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go into a place like two two, and while I think we can agree that's a less successful world. There's a dungeon ecology to it. Those people aren't necessarily violent. They're just kind of going about their jobs. They're kind of doing their thing, which is something that you don't see in any of the other Soulsborne games. Um, I mean, like, you take it into context with some current games like The Surge. I know you guys have talked about that. Um, I know you haven't played it. I played through that and it seems like everybody's job there was just standing behind boxes waiting for somebody to come by you know people <laughs> mm-hmm. don't take that into account now and it's really it was refreshing coming back to it and seeing seeing enemy placement being successful on its own terms but also successful in a in a narrative term as to what were what was this world trying to tell us and what was happening within this world
2: mhm yeah um, yeah, I, um... Yeah, I think this game does that really, really well. Uh, specifically, I think Dark Souls One does that well as as well. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. You know, um, but this game does it. Uh, you know, it is definitely something that the series got worse at with Dark Souls Two, and then kind of continued uh, to not be great at. So it is really going back to this or Dark Souls One, getting that feeling of that's really strong.
3: Well, in Dark Souls Two, they had to make a literal remaking of the game to make things yeah. make more sense
2: yep. yeah they patched in this thing that the game had done uh, in a way that feels like not effortlessly but like very natural and smooth right earlier uh-huh. on
3: um and then my last win is the legacy i mean i think this really goes without saying you have the popular dark souls just like you have super metroid and super mario world and castlevania's symphony of the night but you have demon souls like the originators of those games like the Mario World like Metroid like Castlevania and for better or for worse it has changed the ARPG uh landscape completely you know you don't have ARPGs anymore you have souls likes mm-hmm. and the difficulty in games is now a selling point and not a detractor you have games that are banking on ambient storytelling as a back of the box quote you have uh I mean, you have bonfire side chats there. There are so many things dedicated to this series and all of the the things that came from it.
2: Yeah. 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 It is literally the beginning of a cottage industry. Yeah. You know, I, I use that term a lot. But like us, you know, your your body's Vidya, your, your Dave's control, like it is something that people have gone on to make careers out of. Um, which is a weird thing to think, and it started here. Yeah. Um. You know, a huge, huge, huge impact. Yeah.
0: You know, on a more wide, you know, wide scale. You know, when you look at that legacy, how many times have we heard the same story? Which is, well, I, I just can't look at action games the same after having played Dark Souls. I can't look at games the same after playing. Mm-hmm. You know, insert insert Souls game here, and then, you the you know, glasses like, from like, they live. <laughs> right. This is yeah. the uh, this is the start of that. You know, we cite Dark Souls because that is. You know the, the the longer running series and it's the one the one that we got started with but yeah like you know they like there are plenty of people in our community who are like yeah that was old hat by the time dark souls came around like we were already there <laughs> by the time you johnny completely hopped on
2: yeah 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 good answers yeah
0: what uh, do you got Cole? <laughs> mine are decidedly smaller um <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, and to, 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 to highlight that I'm going to bring forward just one small little moment here when you're talking to blacksmith ed, uh, which is the kind of varsity level blacksmith that you find two one, uh, kind of that hidden elevator area. Um, he has a very hammy kind of dialogue presentation, uh, that he does, you know, he's this great crank, cranky old guy. There's one particular line after you give him the, uh, was it the, the, the fire, like the flaming demon soul from the flame lurker. Um, Where he says, and I'm going to cut it in here. And if you guys want to listen to it, you can. You've done well to put your trust in the great blacksmith, Ed. Bring me a demon soul. Be gone with ya. <laughs> he, he says <laughs> it like he's already the strongest man in the world.
3: Don't eat metal. Don't eat metal! <laughs> <laughs> i viking.
0: Yeah. I'm really living soul. Yeah, so that's that's super dumb. But like, you know, I had a couple of drinks. So it was like really late at night. And I, I got to. I was like, uh, I have
2: no recollection of that. <laughs> you look like a bona fide uh, Dirty Colossus sickle man. Um, <laughs>
3: uh, uh, um, uh. I got to so, feel like Dirty Colossus is in the Urban Dictionary. Oh, God.
2: Oh, 100%. <laughs> I'm going to check on that while while Nicole finishes talking about that line delivery.
0: Please do. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, this is not a very goofy game in general. You know, there are some goofy elements to it, Uh, uh, you know, in in some places I just that that legendary big M.
2: What's that? Like the legendary big M. Big M. Like the guy who owns the two, the God Hand, like the the legendary oh, oh, said to be known yeah. by the legendary Big M. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: okay. Yeah, <laughs> so there's a little bit of that there, but uh, that to me, like on this most recent playthrough, it doesn't say anything like broad about the uh, about the game itself. But I was, I laughed for a good three minutes straight. I think <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just kept on same talk, trying to trigger it over and over again. Um. <laughs> on on something that is of a little bit more consequence uh something that i think is a is is a real win for this uh the thief's ring uh mm, yeah 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 stealth like, elements the, yeah the like the 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 stealth elements um are pretty huge um and that is an incredibly powerful ring probably up there uh in the most powerful rings in the uh in in, in the series uh for how much it actually changes the course of your playthrough um, and it just breaks shit. And again, it you know like this this is one of those rough edges that would be sanded off over the course of the series as it would go on. You you know you don't see things like this in you know in in Souls games anymore. But um you know once you find that you know after making that kind of leap of faith back behind Ostrava, um you know your you you know, like it, it is it is very much worth using, um and can inform your playthrough
2: um in a in a huge way after it. And
3: somewhat mm-hmm. mandatory, especially in like four, one, and two.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you can't like four two without it is an absolute nightmare. Yeah.
0: Oh.
2: Um. And my third one
0: here, we talked about it a little bit, but um, four two specifically with the heart uh, before and after. Uh, three you... two. Yeah, three two. Sorry, blah. Um, we just said four two, didn't we? Three two. Uh, with the gigantic heart in the tower. The lore behind that—that that it is the uh, you know, the queen or what remains of her. Um, you know, when you kill those supplicants who are worshiping to keep it, you know, to keep those chains suspended and it falls down and all of those man scorpion things start crawling out of it. Um, mm-hmm. just everything that that heart does to that level before, during and after, um, makes that, you know, kind of a standout, um, atmospherically, even if the play in that level leaves something kind of to be desired, you know? Um, yeah. it, it, like, it, like it, there, there's definitely the, yeah, the play is not as strong as the atmosphere and that heart is at the center of it.
2: Yeah that that heart moment that heart dropping is one of the great is a great 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 moment yeah uh in this game it's so gross and it's so it's a really good um little lovecraftian uh bit mm-hmm. that is uh stands in contrast so like by the time that happens in bloodborne it's still a very cool moment mm-hmm. when you when you have the uh, the gigantic frenzy tumor but it is uh you know it's not it's not the only squamous you know uh Thing like that that you see in the game, and this mm-hmm. feels like it stands out yeah. like a lot.
3: Yeah. yeah, that's really good. That area especially has its issues, but it's just the the feeling that all of the things in that area evokes overcome any sort of qualms I had with the playability. I mean, mm-hmm. just the going down and seeing the non-hostile tentacles and being like, "What is this shit?"
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, really, really good. And just the fact that it's like, it's almost an entirely different level Yeah, when you get down there, you know, it it is, a, it is a very cool level. And, but that heart kind of haunting you the entire time Yeah, is just really fantastic. Um, yeah, good, good answers. Um, I'm going to say, uh, and I already talked about mine, but I'm going to talk about them now, or I already kind of foreshadowed them. Um, so the music, I think the soundtrack and demon souls is probably my favorite, uh, in the group. Partly, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to separate out because like, the the kind of bombastic choral stuff that they did in Dark Souls 1 didn't start out um, being kind of tedious to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it became tedious as they continued to use it for every game and every boss. Um, and started, you know, there are subtle differences with Bloodborne, but for Dark Souls 1 through 3, pretty much the same thing, um, you know, for boss fights. Like, it is very hard for me to pick out an individual one. Whereas uh, Demon Souls, uh, the music is queasy and kind of nauseating in a way. Um, that isn't in the other parts of the series, like these kind of rotten sounding, artificial sounding synths, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of horns, like different instrumentation. Also songs have a real light touch, you know, like that, that happens in later entries. But like, you look at something like the fool's idol, which is just really just kind of that chime, Mm -hmm. uh, that comes Mm -hmm. in for most of it until, until a melody comes in, um, that's on that odd rhythm, you know, um, with kind of weird, weird emphasis, like musically, I think it is uh, has a much stronger identity yeah. than any of the yeah. other games.
3: Um, and I think the small, the small orchestra piece where it's like you get into Dark Souls and it's, you know, 20, 40 people. This is probably like five or six. Yeah. And it feels it feels lonely. It It adds to it just because they have to. They have to they have to. They have to be smart with what they're doing they have to be compact um it, it just the the actual set piece itself the actual orchestra itself adds to the loneliness
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're really um a lot of them are actually really simple compositions if you listen to them on their own um you know which kind of has that stripped down like lonely feel but they're just not afraid to be kind of sour and uncomfortable. Um, and just, I mean, the biggest thing, and I I already mentioned this, but it can't really be overstated. Like I can tell them all apart. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can listen to one and be like, Oh, this is this person. Whereas like, definitely by like Dark Souls three, I stopped being able to tell, like, if you were to play the, uh, ancient Wyvern theme for me right now, I couldn't name what boss fight it was from. (laughs) You know, like it yep. just, they, they yeah. all start to bleed together. The, Oh, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like
0: I, I, I just, I just, cut in. I, ju- I just, yeah. I just, cut in. um, <laughs> yeah. and you probably <laughs> didn't notice that it was actually the, uh, the, it was actually for a different boss.
2: Yeah. Who, <laughs> who even could tell, you know, and compare that to something like the adjudicator, which is all just like bum, obese bum, bum, soundings. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Like obese horns, <laughs> you know, like it actually does, does a job of uh, evoking it. And the more I think about it the more I think it's an expression of the fact that these bosses are kind of dorky and weird and bizarre more than they're trying to express power.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You mm-hmm. know, when later games do that, it's very effective. It's just so rare. Like you look at something like very ethereal, like Gwendolyn or the moonlight butterfly, or most famously Gwyn's theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else is meant to like evoke power. Yeah. You know, um, this is, that's not the case here. The adjudicator is a, a stumbling moron. You know, um, Astraea is, uh, questionably you know a good guy um mm-hmm. they're not just trying to kind of express menace and and that's really cool to me um so you know segueing my second one is uh maiden Estrella.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: um that turn the dialogue in that fight remains some of my favorite dialogue in the the series cruel lord
4: what more can you possibly take from us this is our home Please leave quietly, lest you face the wrath of my loyal follower. You, you killed him,
3: didn't you? Very well, I can no longer resist you. Do as you like. Take your precious demon soul.
4: Dear Lord. You are too cruel. You have abandoned us. Is that not punishment enough?
2: It is uh, to have a character. It felt very novel at the time to have a character actively questioning uh, the player's actions like that. Um, And kind of recasting, you know, what you're ultimately doing, which is accumulating power. You know, regardless of whether it is to a good end, like you are... Um, you are plundering, like you're going into these areas, killing things to take their power, you know, and her just, you know, there's no plunder here. There's nothing for you. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just feels very novel and cool to me. The, um, yeah. you
3: you specifically stop or becoming the thing you're trying to stop.
2: Yeah. yeah. You're kind to
3: have
0: to have, have a character tell you that <laughs> the the thing, the thing that kills her most of the time, unless you are some kind of miracle person, you can kill her first before killing Garl Vinland. Uh,
2: you kill Garl Vinland you you take away her hope that's what kills mm-hmm. her <laughs> yeah but she has that c- kind of clever like last little minute thing where she's like i i know to get to me you have been plagued i'm going to keep talking mhm you know to to kill you before you know let that plague actually hit you there's a little bit of that kind of like trap nature to it <laughs> but the fact that you just fight Garl Vinland, who is like a great visual design but not particularly hard no. um and not particularly aggressive like he doesn't chase you no he just you know, stands he's, there. <laughs> yeah he's just trying to stop you from getting to her um it's a really cool little story um and just it just you never feel more like a bad guy in these games than when you're you're fighting you know you're you're killing main Astrea. yeah um you know, so that that is that that sticks with me. Like that is, uh, and the music in that fight is is so good. Yes, um, it just kind of harpsichord.
0: The arena, uh, those, uh, yeah, the, the babies, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, oh yeah, and people just uh. worshiping at the edge of the pit. Mm-hmm. You know where there's like very pristine, you know, saint kind of mm-hmm. figure is. Yeah. Um, it's so clever to put that that late in the game too. Yeah, you know, uh, relatively like I know it's not linear, but relatively late in the game after a very hard kind of area uh, in five two. Like, to have this is kind of, like, gut punch. Um, that's super valuable.
3: Of all the berserk places, this place is the most.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Um, and then uh, the last one, there's a couple different things. Like, you know, my quick, you know, tiny honorable mention is first appearance of Patches. Because I love Patches. Yep. Um, but I think I already talked about him in, in a previous one. Uh, and this is a, another gut punch. But I'm going to say finding True King a lot. Yeah. Um, and having that anti-climax fight um you know this pathetic you know kind of wretch uh you know that that is is in front of you like right before you get to the end of this game which is you know we talked about it a little bit but that kind of that nihilism you know nobody wants to go on like this is not uh this is world is not saving worth saving you know so
3: I don't mean to uh actually you at all uh please do uh actually uh just because you're probably gonna get a tweet by the one person who's played armored core for answer mm-hmm. patch patches debatably. His first appearance was in armored core for answer. Hmm. Mm. So there's in the arena of that game, there is a pilot called patch. The good luck.
2: And his
3: <laughs> in game biography is this independent mercenary has more history on the battle than most piloting a strange looking reverse legged craft his favorite combat strategy is to snipe from the air or from concealed locations to catch his opponents off guard. Hmm. <laughs> Which so now, feels... now I'm glad I didn't
2: pick him as my thing. Cause yeah, <laughs> wrong. yeah,
3: me, me too.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to open fire.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, I, I'll give it to the, uh, the one true, you know, the, the true King a lot reveal. Yeah. Uh, in this, um, you know, which is again, I love a uh, in a game where they make you, you know, there's absolutely no challenge to it, but it still makes you kill a thing, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like you still have to do this,
4: yeah.
2: you know, it, it's not about it being a challenge, it's just it's important that the player pull the trigger, yep, on it, yeah,
3: um, and yeah. capping that off with killing the maiden in black and then stepping on her face, her head, which is so <laughs> brutal,
2: oh, you know, like is, is very, very brutal, uh, in case you're
3: curious whether or not you're the bad guy in this scenario,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's a it's it's a very very powerful and cool moment um but as as always uh it's not all wine and roses uh what uh mitch what are a couple of things that are are not so great and this doesn't have to be uh you know totally damning things but what are what are a couple of things you think are bummers
3: well to sort of be the other coin other side of the coin of the mysteriousness one bummer that i have is the obtrusiveness um There's just such an obtrusiveness to the mechanics that I feel like could have been reworked without deterring or detracting from the overall game. I'm not really talking about the tendency or the PvP itself, but the functions around them. So, like, how can I tell if this is a pure white world tendency or just a white world tendency? Mm. And, you know, fuck you if you can't tell the difference and then you accidentally do something you're not supposed to do that makes it more black or you kill the wrong NPC. And then it's, you know, I can't summon my friends, uh, or why can't I just summon my friends from PlayStation Network? Yeah. You know, you can't tell me that that would break the PvP right, lore right? Because at the end of summoning your friends, you're literally grading them A, B, C, or D. You know, the, they they have this obtrusiveness, the mechanics that are already there, that detract from the overall experience of the game. I mean, you know, going back from the other Souls games, you can intuit that the boss souls are going to be used for something important. But if this is your first in the whole thing, you're going to just eat those things like they're candy. You know, you're not going to know, oh, I got to wait for the red hot demon soul because he's probably going to make some special weapons out of this. You Mm -hmm. have no idea that that's going to happen. And so it really breaks the game, not because of the mysteriousness, because of the obtrusiveness to the actual game mechanics.
2: Mm-hmm. Um
3: yeah. The, Sorry. No, no, I was, just,
2: I was just agreeing with you.
3: Okay. Uh, the other bummer that I have is the upgrade economy. Um, this is probably the only area that I would say is an unequivocal bummer uh, for two specific reasons. Finding the stones, as we mentioned before, is stupid. You know, the amount of time that I took to try and find a pure blade stone the first time, it was a little long. <laughs> and on top <laughs> of that, the the amount of souls that it takes to level up, if you go down the wrong path, you could screw yourself out of a build and make the game way harder than it has to be because you don't gain levels very fast in this one. You don't gain a lot of souls very very quickly in this one, unless you specifically grind a few spots. Um, and the other side to that is once you do get sort of far enough on the upgrade mechanics, you all of a sudden obviate difficulty. Like if you can somehow get a plus five fire weapon at the end of two, two, which you can, or two, three, because you'd get the pure dragonstone. Um, then the game is super easy for you. You know, the the challenge is gone, and there's no there's no sort of gradual incline or gradual decline to difficulty. It's sort of, it gets tough, 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 and then it sort of drops off. Um, mm. So that's why the upgrade economy is my other uh, bummer. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, you can also kind of obviate that difficulty with Boss Souls, too. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty easy. So it, it, there's kind of a larger point of balance there where like kind of my, my standard low, uh, low friction playthrough of this game is to make the, um, the butcher's knife. Yeah. Same. You know, um, and it's so good. <laughs> it like guess double yeah. scaling and like, you know, it just chews through everything that, that, that R2 know? cannot be denied. Yeah. So like that kind of speaks into a, a uneven difficulty curve. Like it's very easy to obviate the difficulty for you, which is part of the reason why this is not that hard of a game but it is uh you know, there are issues with it for sure. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, cool. What a uh, bums you out? Um I've got two
0: uh like enemies or encounters that are my bum outs. Um mm-hmm. the first of which um is kind of collectively the bl- the black phantom mind flayers in three
1: mm-hmm.
0: two. I feel like those um, are put yeah. <laughs> those are put specifically uh, in places to really fuck you over, uh, especially the one right before the uh um, Man-eater. The Mandeater. Yeah. Um, uh, just the, the, they're, they're a little bit too resilient. They, uh, are put in world geometry that, uh, is, is hostile trying of. to get around it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. uh, um, I, I can, I can kind of see what they were going for, but, uh, no, it, uh, it, it ended up not having the, uh, the intended effect on the thing. Um, and this will sound weird because it is in what I call my favorite area, uh, but that rap pit in five one. Um, is kind of a nightmare and I'm happy they didn't do anything like that <laughs> because, uh, no matter how thoroughly you think you've cleaned it out, there's always going to be one, uh, that'll come up, uh, and, uh, and attack you, uh, and you will be plagued. Uh, and that is, you know, not the best thing, uh, to mm-hmm. have happen, especially when that is the place where you're going to be having your fight with your first, uh, kind of massive plagued one or whatever it is you know, the uh, gigantic, uh, enemies in five, one and a five, two that can kill you or one shot you very easily. Um, so yeah, like that, that I think is a combination of, um, having very small enemies, uh, that are difficult to target unless you're doing an AOE, uh, put right on top of and complicating a much harder encounter.
2: No good. It, it ties yeah. into Mitch's point about, um, the soul economy being kind of tight as far as, uh, Getting things during the levels because you're near uh, somebody who sells plague cures, but the plague cures, I think, cost three thousand mm-hmm. souls at that point. And like oftentimes I have not made nearly that much on my way there. No. Well, you know, so even if I could buy like one six,
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, not it's,
2: much. you don't you don't get souls from levels in that game. So uh, or from like inside levels. Uh, so, yeah, it, it actually becomes a real bummer getting plague there. Yeah. You know, like there's a, a place to prepare yourself, but it's like, am I going to go grind? <laughs> to do this am i not going to level up totally and risk bringing these souls here you know like no yeah um mm-hmm. so yeah that's a that's a good uh that is a good bummer yep um i'm gonna say uh first one the boss run to king a lot um the mm-hmm. un- unending elevator ride yeah uh to no purpose
3: <laughs> um
2: With like the, the ultimate ex-
3: uh, snake eater song playing in the back <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> the unlimited uh elevator you you sit through the uh, or the the ladder you sit on. Mm-hmm. The um it is the ultimate thing that makes me think that long, shitty boss runs are a design decision to make you rethink the fight. And that's always been the only argument in their favor. And uh playing through Hollow Knight put the nail in the coffin for that argument for me. Yeah. Um, where I now think that anything we might gain from that is not worth gaining. Um I just want to be able to try the boss again. You know, like maybe go through a shortcut, maybe dodge a couple enemies just so it's not so artificial, but Making me just like I'm not even dodging it. I'm not even fighting anything there. Like you're just waiting, you know. And Mm -hmm. that that enforced like go to your corner and think about what you did thing feels very condescending and shitty to me. (laughs) Um, Well, not to mention
3: there's a giant there's a giant dragon before that, and if you (laughs) want to take care of that dragon, you also have to do that time tax Mm -hmm. of the arrows. Yeah. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, And that sucks. Uh Um, That actually that goes into my second one actually like. Um, but yeah, it is, a it's a real bummer. So don't just tell me to just sit on an elevator and wait, you know, fuck you. Like, I know I can get up and get a drink or something like that, but like, I shouldn't have to. Um, and then that goes into the second one, which is dragon fights in this game, which are somehow managed to be the worst in the series, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in a series that like is batten, you know, one for two at best, right. <laughs> um, with dragon fights, like, uh, and you don't even get a good reward from them. No. You get like a little crunchy soul that's worth a little bit, but I remember, Putting in the time to like kill one of these dragons with arrows, uh, they didn't need to, but just to, like get it, get it killed and, uh, getting the soul reward and then like, oh man, I'm gonna take this to, to Ed and see what's up with it and then nothing, <laughs> you know, and just being so disappointed that I put in so much tedium for so little reward. And the idea is they don't want you to do it. Right. Right. And they knew that putting nothing there would be too big of a slap in the face. Um, but, I would rather they just fly. You do enough damage, they fly off, and then you never have to deal with them again because mm-hmm. they're ultimately mm-hmm. not that interesting. Yeah. And uh, in how they 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 express here. Yeah. You know, it's a uh, yeah. The the one time they are
0: standing between you and something worthwhile, uh, they disappear because of world tendency. Yeah. Which is in which yeah. is in one one.
2: <laughs> you can actually get rid of them, as opposed to in one four, where like there's the two of them, uh, the one on the bridge, which is kind of fine, but the one on the staircase, like. The, the hit boxes aren't consistent enough on fire mm-hmm. in this game to like so many times I was edging up to make sure I could do the sprint, you know, so I was trying mm-hmm. to get to the very edge of the fire line and the fire wouldn't even touch me and I would just immolate, Yep. you know, and it's just like, okay, you know, I'll go bring all the fucking arrows and take care of this, you know, <laughs> or like, okay, I'll just heal up and just try this again, step back an inch. Like it's just, they're not well designed. They're real broken and shitty.
4: Yep.
2: Yeah. so and, uh, and there's more of them that appear here than any other game in the series, uh, excepting possibly three, but they come up a lot, yeah. uh, here and, uh, that sucks. They're bummers. Not a fan, not a fan.
3: But they kept uh, doing them, so somebody had to be a fan. Somebody like, there had to be a... somebody on the design team that was like, I like these dragons. This time is going to be the time. I got a system.
2: It's, <laughs> even even the non-fight aspect of them is obviated in Dark Souls 1. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the Drake landing on the bridge is very cool. And that bridge, fuck you, that you can get. Like, <laughs> you know, that's that's arguably good, arguably very bad. But it's very rarely has it killed me. Um, usually mm-hmm. I just get flamed and I can make it to the stairwell and it's kind of a good moment. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, here it's like, it just doesn't, that stairwell with Bior, um, trying to make your way up to the, uh, to the penetrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's not up on the penetrator. That's, um, making your way up to the elevator. Yep. The old King a lot, um, is just not particularly good. No. So, but you know, that's a, uh, you know, those are minor things ultimately. Cause, uh, I found that this in general, like it stood up very well for me.
0: Yeah. It was, yeah. um, a lot of fun to go back to. I haven't touched it since we, uh, covered it for the show. Hmm. Um, so it was like going back to an old friend,
2: yeah, I did uh, most of a playthrough, um maybe six or seven months ago, hmm. and then uh finished it and then did you know one one again, yeah. and fought a few of the bosses again, so between those two times did a complete playthrough, yeah,
0: it's like going back to an old friend, but he's still cool like he hasn't started listening to Alex Jones or something,
2: yeah
4: yeah,
2: <laughs> Mitch, thank you for joining us. Yeah, on this yeah. revisit, really do appreciate it. Where can uh, where can people find you online?
3: Uh, well, I haven't tweeted in probably legitimately five years, but I'm gonna be dusting <laughs> off my Twitter. It's coming. Real, <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Kressy's gonna be here. Uh, I'm gonna be dusting off my Twitter pretty soon because of other personal projects. Um so if you're in the slack, I'm T Doggin, T D O G G I N, which I uh go to sometimes. Um uh, but on Twitter I am at Mitch Finish B E N E S. Um so yeah. That's really quite. yeah,
2: Yeah, I recommend uh recommend you check out that stuff. We really appreciate you uh supporting us and coming on the show and being generous with your with your time and support.
3: Yes. Yeah. You guys are a real force for good. You know, you talk about the forces of good and evil on abject suffering all the time. You should put yourself on the force of good sometime.
2: Yeah, I, I always considered once that reckoning comes, us being kind of a nuwatu, the watcher figure. Yeah, yeah. Like where we, we come down, like we come down from the battlefield and watch, um, you know, the the Legos we set up get knocked out. <laughs>
3: Yeah. I'm still waiting for the uh, the. I sent a text to accept the dark gift. I'm still waiting for that to come in the mail. <laughs> is, is that like a, like a folder that you get sent? I've never been. Clear. I don't know Gary. Gary's the one that was those yeah
2: like vampire it. kit? Like just like a, a series of corners to hang around and hope. It's uh, it's got like
3: this this step by step. Step one: put it in your neck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: take this. Take this pill.
3: It's like a pack of um, sea monkeys.
2: It's you know there's the red pill and the blue pill, but then you take the dark pill, yes. and that's uh, that's actually a thing. That, that's um something that the black pill is a thing that uh, internet incels oh yeah talk about now. That's a that's a, a new pill in the yeah. the pill ecology of people online yeah. who I don't like that much. I've heard of the gray pill before. Yeah, the gray pill. Yeah. So people, there's a whole there's a whole host. Um, <laughs> the, um, it's a wonderful world that we live in. It is. It is. There's lots of good stuff too, um, including demon souls. Yeah. Um, Next week, we'll be back with uh, the third episode of Bonfire Side Chat After Dark. Um, it has caused some confusion, our naming convention, so I do apologize for that. It's going revisit episode and then response episode. It's going ping ponging. Um, one week after that, we're doing our episode on uh, Dark Souls 1, mm-hmm. and then our final episode, uh, reading your responses, uh, specifically people who pledged at a tier at our Patreon. Yeah, uh, be able to give us a prompt for bonfire side chat after dark. Yes,
0: so I will be sending out another reminder to people uh, who were patrons uh, as a, as kind of a last call. Um, and uh, in addition to that, probably also opening it up uh, for uh, for other uh, for, for for the wider audience because we are kind of hitting the bottom of our uh, of our well on these. So keep an eye. And we're, for that. we're at the end. Like yeah. everybody pl- plays this
2: clip, Cranium. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's um a good time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as much as I'm sad about the podcast ending, I am looking forward to uh, talking about Dark Souls 1 again. Me too. And, uh, yeah. yeah uh, there, there, a, there, uh, there's been some,
0: uh, some concern expressed. I know not everybody listens to the end and, you know, you're hearing the Nexus music, so you probably tuned out. Um, the episodes are going to stay up and available. Some people really love going back and listening to old episodes. I'm not just saying that like as hypothetical people actually say that Uh, the show isn't going anywhere. Um, And if it gets to a point where like, yeah, just uh, we're not we can't afford the X number of dollars a month to host this. It'll go up like an archive or something yeah but uh that is very far off like years and years that would be disaster uh,
2: striking yes that sure. would, like
0: that would be like literally we have to make choices between medicine
2: or hosting the show yeah <laughs> so yeah, that's uh that would be that would be the patreon totally fall, bottoms out right, right and the only thing we have the energy and money left to do are like one episode of file underwater a year um <laughs> we meet on christmas eve <laughs> to record our least lesson to show and then put it in a in a, in a bank teller uh you know, tube and yeah. send it off. Um so that that is uh very unlikely to happen. But we'll we'll do some um kind of bookkeeping and, and deck clearing at the beginning of the next episode so mm-hmm. people know. Yeah. Uh for people who, who uh tune out. Yeah. Like we'll we'll let everyone know. Um yeah so uh, and if you want to support us um you can go to patreon.com slash Um even though this show is ending the network is going really strong um you know we're very close to a new show uh milestone goal which is a love and relationship podcast called heartbeat city um that i've wanted to do for about a year or so now um, and i'm really looking forward to uh we also have just recently met our goal to do a celebratory uh tabletop session um which we're going to be doing this month yep. um and yeah watch our social media channels for details but if you want to pop on there and support us that is a, a huge deal Um, we really do appreciate it very much so I, yeah, I, and I think I think that's it. I think that's it. Man, next to last time we're doing this main episode. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, thank you again. Yeah. Um and
0: until next time, what should they do, Cole? Um, they should Have uh, one second, because I, I had this dialogue open before and I forget <laughs> how it goes. Umbasa. Umbasa. <laughs> <laughs> And we all pray that we will have far more soon.
2: All right. Everybody, uh, beverageed up. I am.
3: Yeah. All right. If we need to go to the bathroom, do we just like raise our hand and say, I need a potty break.
0: Did <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just cut in and say, Hey, can I take a break real quick? S- send Cole an Amber alert. The real golden stuff
1: is.
0: Oh <laughs> Jeez. I
4: hope I have to go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my
4: God.
3: Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm being held hostage by bonfire side chat. I
2: have to be, but they won't let me go until I tell them anything of the adjudicator. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good bus, I really have to go. Yeah. Goofy <laughs> design, but he's freaking go, gonna go. You,
0: um, you fool, can't you see I don't want to go on?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you step on my head on the way to the bathroom. <clears throat>
4: <laughs> okay. <clears throat> my name is Gary Butterfield.